This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. And if you're listening to this, first of all, you better be above 18. I'm gonna go ahead and start this off. I'm cutting the intro short. This is mature audiences only, ladies and gentlemen. Mature audiences only. So if you're listening to this, that can only mean one thing. That means you're here for a brand new mature audiences adult only episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by Comic Book Click. As always. I am never alone, sir. Please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic man. I hope everybody can hear me. Did I introduce myself? You did not day. introduce it's yourself, but it has day. been a long day. You I like this little is? disclaimer. What are we doing today? Well, you that, have me here. That's the biggest thing. My name, ladies and gentlemen, is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. And the reason why I forgot my own name and introduction is because we are going to be handling some very sensitive subject matter today. We are handling uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky's Sex Criminals, um, a a comic that was always recommended to me that I had to take a shot at. Um, it was one of those things that makes it great to be a podcaster because I was able to put it on the podcast schedule in between things I've already read and already seen, and it gives me an opportunity to go, ah, now I have to read this new thing because it's on the schedule. Um, but I was always excited about Sex Criminals, but getting into the comic, getting into all that this story has to cover means that we have to be able to talk in very adult ways and to talk in those adult ways i need to make sure that all our little clickers that are under the age of 18 are uh you know go listen to next week's episode or one of the old ones which is worse uh that me and dan the comic book man have been on the boys which we covered last week um and we'll be covering spider-man life story next week i mean if we're we're covering uh Sex criminals this week. I don't think they can watch the boys last oh, or listen true. to the boys last week. But I week. do think the boys might be slightly less um, gratuitous. Oh no! Th- this is this is straight up uh, like a, a porn comic. It is. It is that. It is. It's great. Honestly, I'm glad you asked me to read this just to like experience it. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm gonna want to pick this up by like the second issue. I was hooked. Yeah, the person who actually recommended this to most to me was fellow uh, major issues co-host Yogi. Jonathan Escudero, um, he has been constantly talking about this comic. He actually owns them uh, in paperback and hardcover, I believe. Oh, yeah. He owns all 25 issues and the volumes, he said. Like, that's all. That's awesome. But the thing is, Yogi reminds me of 2002's uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, where he has 18 million jobs and responsibilities. So he was supposed to be here to uh, chop it up about this comic. Um, but unfortunately he was unable to make it, but you are here in spirit, Yogi. Um, but Dan was able to binge through. I wanted Dan to just read the comic 
Uh, just so I had. Oh yeah, no. Originally, that's what it. I was doing. I was just I, I was on like eating it up in my own way. Since I didn't have to read it as like a research and, and a, an assignment, yeah. I was just reading it my own way, the way I usually like watch episodes of TV shows. Like right. I just watched like two, three episodes. So I was reading like a couple of issues a day, and then this morning you just hit me up, and I'm like, all right, now I gotta go like five issues in the next couple of hours. <laughs> I so. definitely put up the Dan signal, which is uh, that's how Dan knows that his uh, services are needed and he came through which means that we're able to talk about sex criminals today or at least the first three volumes um i i had i wanted like even with the boys like we did this with the boys even with miracle man which you know we'll talk about that later but um when it comes to these new comic properties sometimes the comics that are available can range in the hundreds or the 50s. Yeah, so you really want to just like read the volume. Right, so when it comes to what we want to tackle here, it's really hard. We, we cover every um, thing that we can in a week's time. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we have a week to prep. Sometimes we have even less. Um, and so it's unfair and impossible to cover some of the bigger comics. So even with Sex Criminals, Sex Criminals is right now currently, I want to say, at, uh, issue 25 was the last one put out. Yeah, it, they, they. I think they're waiting it's on twenty six. On twenty, I think they're doing like twenty six to thirty that so we're th- waiting on. So I thought to myself, usually one volume is enough to encapsulate the feel that you want for a comic. But one volume of Sex Criminals is five issues. You know, I was just gonna say like that. You need at least at least three volumes to really get like a familiar stance on what Fraction and Zardoski is trying to tell us. Yeah, and so that definitely um, weighed in on like how much we, I was going to take in. So I figured three volumes, 15 issues, that would be good. And that's what I, uh, that's the assignment I gave to you. And that's what I, yeah, um, that's what I got too. But I, I binged the whole thing and I'm pretty sure even the 15 that you, uh, got through, um, we've read harder comics on here. We've read older comics on here that don't Oh, it's so not clear. as like, you, you would think like a, a, like an off the cuff, out of the status quo comic like this would be like the rest that we read, like dark and depressing and everything has like a, an, another message and, and symbolism to like existential stuff. Yeah, this has a lot of like adult gra- graphics. This has a lot of sex and a lot of penises and <laughs> a lot of tits are out and, right, 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 right. you know, but at the end of the day is, it's not dour to read. It's fun to read. It's like, yes, it is. And it, but it still remains realistic. Like these are realistic relationships, realistic friendships. It's crazy because a lot of the things that they tackle in here are not necessarily realistic, but they layer them with very, very real, very, very mundane um, things. We've spoken about that before. What were we talking about that with the mundane? Oh, it was a uh, um, Mr. Miracle. Right, right, right. And so it's like this crazy world. But then you still got to do regular. Well, but, but how sad Mr. Miracle is with its dialogue and then all the monologues that they have. And even it's just imaging where that whole epithet, that whole issue where they're on a date. And it was like they didn't say anything for like every panel until the end where Barta just asked Scott to not leave. Yeah. Like how sad but beautiful it was. This is just, they're trying to like not be so depressing, but still give you like the realist, the, the realism of fighting, the realism of uncertainties in boyfriend and girlfriends. Like. John loves and he says I love you and she just doesn't want to hear it. She's like ah, Right, they're yeah. definitely on different uh sides of the page there. And there's so many different characters and themes and arcs to talk about and I'm excited to talk about it. I've been waiting all day to tackle this. Oh, uh, me personally, this. I haven't even gotten to like the the cherry on top of of these like characters that the sex police go after. Like yeah. I only met two of them so far. Yeah, holy I'm um, holy. Hopefully <laughs> as we go through this 
um, we're able to cover a lot of ground because there's a lot of ground to cover in this comic. Um, but that is it. For those who have listened even stubbornly up until this point, if you are not this I old mean, to ride this ride, First Amendment, we need you I guess, to. You know. we need to uh, the thing yeah, is, we're, we don't get so we don't, I don't get in need, trouble. I don't need the mail uh, bag being full of mothers saying, you know, my son's talking about dicks. It's like it wasn't me. Yeah, man. I heard. I, I walked past my son's room <laughs> and I just heard two guys say, "Oh, the the penis glows like a lightsaber." And then the cum angel comes out and attacks oh, everybody. God. There's a lot. There's a lot. Of people, everybody so. needs a compass. So go. Um, if you haven't read Sex Criminals, go ahead and read Sex Criminals. Oh, no, pl- if you're all honestly, of age, please rec- go read Sex find Criminals. it, grab it. Um, this is a unisex comic. I think both male and female. Readers will get into it. I, I think personally it's a think comic. I yeah. think this is more of a, a woman's comic. Really? The the reason why is look who has look, look who speaks to the fourth wall since the beginning of the book. It's yeah, it, it's I Susie. Think, like I think she's the one that's I like. I think there's parts, especially with the drugs, where um John is up front. He's he's the one that's um talking to no, the there's, camera there's and talking that to the they're, uh, they're like. Well, really, everybody has their own fourth wall break narration. That's why yeah. they get the the little multicolored like uh, thought boxes. Yeah, where like even the that weird guy that goes to old folks that works at old folks' home, he has like this like magenta yeah, speaking they all, they box. They try to separate. Like them they, everybody by. has like, but like I feel like her itself, like she's the only one who really looks at the camera and like talks to the audience, where everybody's really just narrating in a sense. Yeah, so I, I actually feel- think this is the first comic that we've covered that absolutely has no superheroes in it. No, this is this is not even a this is not really a superhero. It's just superpowers, right? Really. And it's another reminder for those out there that are uninitiated that there are comics that don't have any superheroes in them. <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent. Comics are not a medium. There's all superhero comics are also comics, but not all comic books are superhero comics. Well, the meta thing about it is they do go out of their way to like mention other superheroes. Like yes. they they she they they've said Superman. Like um, what's it called? Uh, Suzanne compares herself to a boiled Hulk. Yeah, and they're also, um, you know, Zdarsky and Fraction have worked on Marvel stuff. So they definitely, I think um, I saw an interview with Zdarsky talking about, like, he's constantly on edge whether or not the contents of these comics will get him fired at Marvel. Because <laughs> he's currently, right now, I wouldn't want to say working on Spider-Man. But, um, well, he just did Life Story, which I cannot wait right to, i'm just frothing at the mouth i can't wait to cover it but but let's cover some of the facts of this book so sex criminals is an ongoing monthly comic book published by american company image comics uh it's written by matt fraction and illustrated by chip zadarsky the first issue was published wow we're getting we're getting very close to it uh a week ago uh and six years ago six years and one week ago it was um published the very first issue uh so i'm glad we found it six years later and yeah, it turns out that in March of that year, 2013, Image announced a sex comedy during Emerald City Comic Con, and later reports confirmed that it was intended for mature readers, and it would have Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky in the forefront. Uh, they were talking about inspirations for the book, and they mentioned the 40-year-old virgin, bridesmaids, and Jackass, the movie. Um, and Fraction himself confirmed in an interview that the works of Billy Wilder also a- inspired him deeply in his writing. Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky had known each other for a short time before the book's creation. They communicated exclusively online, and Zdarsky was the first to to suggest collaboration. Initially, Zdarsky wanted to write a book that was 
their take on fantasy, as neither was a big fan of the genre. But Fraction responded with another idea, suggesting, what if we do a sex comedy about a guy who every time he ejaculates stops time? <laughs> Darsky was tired from a business trip he was on and agreed to the idea without much thought. After continued communication, their ideas began to grow until the book was published in September of 2013. The book has gained a cult following and its fans refer to themselves as brimpers. Are you familiar with the term? The brimpers? No. Yes. Brimper is the sexual um, position where you place your hair in your penis. I know what a brimper is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that was the name for it, but I just know what that move is. I think that was one of the first. I think. Oh, yes. That was one of the moves that uh, Rachel was showing Suzanne in the girls room when she was just writing like a a bunch of sex. When she was drawing a bunch of sex positions. That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sex Criminals was nominated for two Eisner Awards in 2014, including Best Continuing Series and one Best New Series. On February 25th, 2015, it was announced that Matt Fraction made a deal with Universal TV no to turn way. Sex Criminals into a TV show. But um, I heard that they probably that deal probably just disappeared. Th- that's something that they're going to have to go to another. A, they're working on a new deal. They can't that. go. They can't go to primetime television for a show like Sex Criminals. Sex Criminals needs to be on something that, that sounds that sounds HBO to me. That's that. Yeah. Oh, cool. That definitely sounds. I could HBO. see. I would hope that they would work with at least Lindelof. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Zoe Deschanel and Bill Hader or something. <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie. I I, I could see that. So I was Aubrey thinking, Plaza? You think Aubrey Plaza would work? Well, see, I was saying either Aubrey Plaza or um, Anna Paquin for Rachel. Anna Paquin for Rachel. Anna Paquin. No, actually, or no. no, not Anna Paquin. Sorry. Um, Anna, one, right? Anna Kendrick. Okay. Anna Kendrick for Rachel for the best friend roommate. Her uh, for and, Rachel. Uh, Anna Faris works for could work for Susie as well because of the comedic, like the scary movie esque. Uh, it would just be need to be someone that's comfortable being topless and. Well, yeah masturbating to stop time and we, we've been playing around with this premise but let's talk about the premise oh the premise is great so Susie, a librarian and john an actor meet at a party and after sleeping together they discover that they share the ability to freeze time when they orgasm as their relationship develops and their sexual histories are explored they decide to rob a bank where john works in order to save Susie's endangered library well the book from first page just it's balls to the wall I mean, it starts with a suicide. Oh, not a suicide no, it's not. No, no, yeah, that's Mr. Miracle. It's the imagery in my head yeah. of somebody jumping out of a window is in my head, but that's the, the murderer uh, jumped out of the window. Yeah. Because so he shot up, the, he, uh, some guy that was disgruntled with the bank came in, shot up a couple of employees, and then threw himself out of a window, basically. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Susie then. Because that's what wraps up into all that stuff. So Susie's the main character of the comic. And she opens up with some Deadpool-style, fourth-wall-breaking dialogue that gives us her backstory. We find out that one day a coked-up guy who lost all his money in the stock market went crazy, walked into a bank, and shot three people, killing one of them. Unfortunately, that one homicide with Susie's father and the death not only causes her and her mother emotional distress, but creates distance between the two as Susie's mom turns to alcohol as a coping mechanism. Well, it's Um, crazy that... John's father ends up working at the same bank that Susie's dad dies in. Yeah, I think it's also cool, and it's obviously a stylistic choice, that while um, you're having this fourth wall breaking, it's adult Susie. It's yeah. not just Susie narrating over the past. Adult oh, no, Susie's you in see all her. the scenes. No, yeah, that's great, because you see her sitting in the back of the class and saying, this one's me right here right, with the hair. I thought that was really cool, like to have her actually place... 
They've done that before. Well, she was right? sitting on like the edge of the bed when she first discovered her powers as a little girl. And she's like, yep, yeah, this is where it happened. It and all gave that. me um, Kill Bill Beatrix moments when they're doing the, the, the roll call. And she's in the class as a grown woman. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so off the rip, you get kind of a feel of what this comic is going for with this whole fourth wall breaking. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about like getting in? Okay, th- so it's this kind well, of. Well, when it got to around like, uh, well, originally I'm like, all right, I guess everybody really in comic does a narration to get people up with the story. And I'm thinking that's probably a, like a, a chip choice. <laughs> Let's coin it that a chip choice because um, they had it a lot in, in a Spider-Man life story. Where it's like um, Peter was narrating like every panel well, and every the, issue. It's not the 60s anymore where somebody goes, it's a good thing I woke up on this Tuesday to go outside and go <laughs> to that job that I work at across the street at the newspaper place. Yeah, no, <laughs> now this is just catching people up with like a, a, to get you ready for the story. So I kind of liked her like doing the opening narration, but I like the stylistic choice of her being drawn into every flashback. Yes. And so we find out that her mom's an alcoholic and um, turns to alcohol as a coping mechanism. I think we've all they been there. They always do. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Either we've used it ourselves and abused it ourselves or we know somebody who has. It's the unfortunate uh, nature of us humans uh, looking for an escape. Um, but one day while in the bath, Susie is inadvertently aroused to the point of orgasm by the bathtub head. Yeah, now, I just I, want to say, I, I don't I wrote need that to see in, a 13-year-old. Is that what that's called? What's that called? It's a shower head. It's just a shower head. It's either a faucet. A it's, a, it's a faucet, then. It's a faucet, It would right? technically be, it would be the stem a of a faucet. Head. I almost wrote shower head and the rain. Oh, no, yeah, I know. A shower head would but be a like the, the top Yeah, thing. yeah, no. So that's a faucet. Yes. That's a faucet, yeah. Now, this is a normal situation that many women have admitted to experiencing. Are you familiar? <laughs> Uh, uh the, with water pressure uh, water pressure aided orgasms well i mean it happened to me with the um you know those uh the water jets and swimming pools yeah that's how i first ever got aroused in my life so uh, okay it's yeah i guess the water pressure is really what sparks every child's oh there's the light switch yeah well it, it touches an area that for the most part doesn't get touched and at that age, shouldn't be touched. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Because well, I don't need to see a 13-year-old discovering that she can stop time by next masturbating. Next is our Kevin Spacey cast. Don't worry about that. Oh, we'll, talk, we'll get there. I, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm out of the country for the week. <laughs> so, unlike other women, even though this is a normal situation, getting a little turned on by some water pressure, um, Susie's orgasm literally stops time and things like sound as she enters what she calls the quiet which is our normal world suspended in an orgasm-induced limbo. What I really liked about The Quiet was the stylistic choice of the colors. Like, they, there was... Some, oh, it uh, is... It's really, like... Uh, is it meant to be gorgeous like that? Because it's, like, everything is, like, this off-purplish, like... like a it's, pi- like, purple and pinks. And, yeah, it's, and like, this, like... lights. And then you just see the yellow swirls, the blue swirls. Yeah, it's very... Uh, um, It looks very... Heavenly. And in, and in my head, every time I see the quiet, I just even, even though I know time is stopped, I just see as like if it's gonna be on a TV in TV, I see them playing like a somber score over it. Yeah, like something that you would hear in like a bathhouse or like a spa. Like I don't, I don't know why. It's just it seems something that would be very like majestic and heavenly. Um, to be fair, Susie, you know, figures out that she has this ability to enter the quiet by orgasming, um, but she doesn't really do anything with it, like. We find out later on, and we'll get to John in a bit. That John. Well, no, she screams at her mom. 
That's really it. That was it. Yeah. She comes right. downstairs and she screams at her mom, and then she kisses her on the head, and she said that that makes me feel better. And she like, does that like often. She does it all the time. Anytime she's ready to blow up at her mom, she'll just she'll masturbate, stop time, go downstairs, scream at her mother, you give know, her a kiss I, on the you head. You know what Tuesday? Yeah. It's just a, oh, <laughs> it's Wednesday. Time to scream at my mom. Time to masturbate then. Scream <laughs> masturbating, to that, masturbating Mondays. Masturbating Mondays manically. Is that a thing? Masturbating Mondays manically mothering moms or something like that. Just, let's keep the M's going. There you go. I like that alliteration. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she, does, she enters into this, the quiet. I like that we had that little uh, side thing with her deciding that she needed to talk to the easy girls. So something's that happening with her hilarious. body. She thinks that everyone orgasms this way. So she decides that she wants to talk to the quote unquote easy girls. The girls who have Oh no, she called them the all. dirty girls. The dirty girls. The girls who have done it all and supposedly Dude, that, were, eight, um, that 13 year old girl has fucking HPV. That was that was Rachel. That's that was her, yeah, that was she's, she yeah. says like maybe if someone talked to me, I wouldn't have gotten HPV and my father could still look at me in the eyes. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, that's very, very that's painful. Um and so Susie goes and she finds out that while there's a bunch to learn about sex this whole stopping time thing is not what everyone does well yeah that's when later we'll get into saying cocaine but that's what i really loved about her arc yeah so it was really juxtaposed like the same like i want to learn about what's going down but one goes this way and the other goes the other way it's really great her other big issue is that she loves books and she wants to save her local library. And because she doesn't have the necessary funds to, she keeps taking books and trying to give them away and sell them and like a take a book, keep a book kind of deal. Well, that's what um, I love that she does later. Yeah. So the, um, the whole first and second issue revolve around a party that she throws, a uh, fundraiser kind of yeah, for this to save uh, library. the library. Yes. I think she needed, like, what, like $15,000 or something like that? Ironically, the same bank that's closing the library is the same bank that her father died in, which is the same bank that John, another character that we'll be talking about in a minute, works for. So it's all big, bad bank stuff going on. Um, But, yeah, she goes on for many years believing herself to be the only person with this ability until she meets John at a fundraiser for her local library. The two hit it off have sex and orgasm in stereo and are shocked to find they both have the same time stop ability. That was honestly, it, it was beautiful. And it's because like, it, I could just see it in my head running in like a, in, in a silver yes, screen. That, that was the fakest part. Mutual orgasms. What's that? That's a, that's a thing. But yeah, man, it, it, it was, it definitely was. Because um, it was like, she, I think she made a comment and then he responded and then they both flipped out. So like, that's how they well, fall no, out together. Well, how do you feel about, well, I got, I'm going to, I have like a little rant to go on. So I'm going to ask you and then I'll answer it with my rant. But how do you feel about like the first introduction of John, the whole like Lolita stuff, like knowing. The oh, that's, I've, I've, that, that, yeah, I'm straight stuff. up. That's me right there. I've okay. done that. Like. Just come in and just quote a movie, quote a book, quote something that you think is going to get you like either attention, cool points, or like a girl to look at you. Like it's stuff that you just think yourself is going to help your securities. So um, we'll talk about this in more depth later. I think that one of the best and biggest parts of this comic, one of the best and biggest parts of this, uh, uh, one of the best and biggest arcs of this is what I call love in all seasons. And so we have here 
the first meeting of uh, of a guy and a girl that will eventually go on to be the main couple of this book. And as you continue, even when you get by issue 15, they are a very different couple at issue 15 that they are in issue 1. And, oh, yeah. 100%. And I feel that John is cooler in issue 1. You don't even see his eyes through the glasses. He's so one-liner quote and piffy uh come back well that's when you have your that's walls the up that's, that's the that's... beginning where everything is hazy that's the first time you meet somebody and everything is and they're the, the coolest person you could ever meet they came from another planet you're like where did this person come from how did i meet this person how did i end up in a situation with this person i just need more i need to know more about them but i think what ends up happening in real life and in this book is the more you find out some of those things you don't necessarily like and you end up, if you do love them, you end up loving all of them. Not the perfect version you met on day one that you had no idea had the craziness going on in their lives. Because who, when you first meet somebody, no one's going, oh, and by the way, I'm also an uh, alcoholic and I get depressed sometimes. And sometimes I like to punch through walls. <laughs> and I, on occasion, I cheat. Well, that was what was like, beautiful no one, no one, about no one Scott offers Pilgrim that reading that. Like, it was the same thing with Scott Pilgrim. That whole season, what you're talking about, where they're a totally different couple by book five. Like, yeah. And you get to see like the the rain, the the snow, the hot days, the cold days. But no matter, I just like seeing these two like grow. Where by like, I think it was what it was by like issue like ten, they're all of a sudden they're living together. You know who's one of my favorite um, one of my favorite like little quote things. Uh, this fucking guy. I was ju- I was <laughs> waiting to say <laughs> really I really love good. this really, fucking guy really good. Cause because she just goes this guy, this fucking guy. And but I'm you just, like, say that. Girls say that mad and happy. Yeah. You understand? It'd be like, oh, you said you pick up steak? Oh, I forgot this fucking guy. And then it'd be like, um, no, just go in your room. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God, he got me flowers, this fucking guy. <laughs> and so I like that Susie uses both of them for John in this instance. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they get hot and heavy and start to date. We find out that Susie learned most of her sex knowledge from one of the dirty girls, Rachel, who over the years becomes her friend and roommate. Her mom eventually finds empowerment in her womanhood and gets sober. I don't think you got up to there yet. Yeah, I'm reading. Are, are you, no, are you up to where her mom gets sober? Oh, I don't know anything about her mother past. Okay. Because that's probably like issue 17 well, or something what like that. Yeah. happening is they, she moves in with her mom. And um, her mom is like. I, I'm assuming that they're going to end up being on rocks in a couple of episodes. Where they, right. it, it seems it's like it's going to be an on and off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it so seems like it's going to be an on and off relationship where they're going to, by 25, they're probably going to drop us with like a crazy cliffhanger. Like I'm just, I'm just like anticipating it. I'm ready for it. You know, it is on and off again. I will, I will say that, but that's actually not one of my criticisms because I think they do a very good job of showing that every on again. Is is magical and every off again is painful. Like yeah. in real life. Like no, in real it's, life. It's a very real relationship. Things don't just turn on and off like that. If it's on, it's because we're all in it. And if it's off, it's because there's no. That was more the huge left. difference between like Barda and and Scott between these two. It's like no matter what pain and anguish they were going to through, they never really tried taking it out on themselves until that last fight in the park. Yeah. But this is like no, they're they're putting like their own feelings above the next person because they're afraid to make that leap. John in therapy was saying he was afraid to make that leap. Yeah, where he was using sex as a metaphor, which is weird. He's having those weird dreams with the black box. I was gonna ask you on the cast. Do you, does, not, it has not been? It has not. Yeah, you because you finished it right yeah. now. So the, it, that little black box dream has not been. Well, well, I'm assuming it's depression. Maybe when the last volume comes out, we can cover the like this will be the first half of Sex Criminals, and then we'll cover the latter half. 
later on. It'll be interesting. But no, that hasn't been revealed. We're not even closer to revealing it. I have no idea what it is. It's uh, probably just a metaphor yeah. for depression. It's probably just or his own nightmares, like a nightmare. Commitment? Maybe. Maybe commitment's just a black box in a red room. <laughs> What's in the box? It's all that stuff. Um, let's talk about John Johnson. John is another character with the ability to stop time via orgasm. His penis also glows. I felt like I had to. Yeah, but I feel that. like I I don't I'm not up to um everybody yet. But so far from what I'm up to, except for Susie, it seems like everybody has like a uh, an extra step with their orgasm superpowers. Like John well, can you're detect there when, when she asks that question. Right? No, yeah, I'm not there She's when like, she asks. Why am I the only because, one? Because uh, yeah, have this girl can go thing. through the wall. This guy can make a freaking a penis goat, a, pe- a, sk- a sperm ghost. Yeah, and I feel like John like. They're either they haven't fully explained it to me yet, but it seems like he can tell when the powers are about to. He, that's what he says. He says that he does. He, he does says, say it in like the earlier like issues. Indicator as it starts to dull. When he when he when he gets on when his boner go when his boner goes away, the time's about to go away. Okay, yeah. all right, that's what it was. But let me give you some background on my man John Johnson, which I think is funny because I think her name is Susie Dick Dixon. Susie Dixon, right, or Dickerson, or yeah, or Dixon, yeah, Susie, so Susie Suzanne Dixon, Suzanne. Dixon and then John Johnson. Suzanne. <laughs> they're, they're both basically words for penises. Yeah. Their last names. Um, but yeah, our boy John Johnson first masturbated to a picture of Jasmine Say Cocaine. I mean, who hasn't masturbated to a picture of a 70s porn star? His porn muse. Did you have a porn muse then? Oh, of course. Did, I don't think I remember my first one. Nina Hartley. But I think... I think well, uh, be, They're all going to know. Everyone's going to know Nina Hartley. That's it. That was the first porn star I ever saw. I can't remember mine. But I do remember, like, that was opening an entire world that I was un- unknowing of. And we find that... We see that with John, where he doesn't necessarily know what sex is, but he's trying to dip a toe. And the first time that he orgasms using Miss um, Jasmine St. Cocaine's picture, it's like a six-second kind of deal. <laughs> like, he was like... I- I figured it out in like 10 seconds or whatever. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, feeling that he was a step behind when it came to sex, John would masturbate in a bank bathroom in proximity. That is so great. In proximity to a sex shop called Come World. So he could explore all the raunchy secrets it had to offer. So it would be like, like being in a Toys R Us with no one else there. But instead, it's a sex shop. And he, instead, he's about 15. And so... Uh, he gets to watch all the videos, rent them, bring them back, play with all the toys. Oh, what I loved is when he first went into Come World, yeah. and he was just walking around everywhere, and then he saw like a, a um, uh, well, I think like the, the VHS of Jasmine saying cocaine. cocaine, and is he got hard, and then time started again, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like he just pops up in a in a freaking oh, porn shop no, with we'll, a boner. Oh my god! We'll get there, and this is what I was talking about. Um. John figured out that he could do things in the quiet that he couldn't be blamed for because it's of the time stoppage. It's Come World, my man. Everyone knows it. it's got to be called Come World. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, we're, we're definitely going to get there. Um, so, yeah, he, he figures out that he can do things without getting caught. Um, like we said before, Suzanne figures it out, but she only uses it as like a medicinal way to yell at her mom. But yeah, John but uses actively, a therapeutic way. John's actively like breaking laws and stuff. Like he's stealing stuff, knocking things over. He's doing stuff. Oh, I love those like panels where you just see where you just see like papers like in the air but staying in the yeah, air frozen. and he's just throwing everything. Um yeah, so he figured this out so he got it, right? Because he basically spends a lot of his younger years freezing time and watching porn for free. But one day he sees a tape including Jasmine St. Cocaine, and that's enough for him to premature ejaculate and literally blow his cover. 
Uh, John works, albeit unhappily, for the same bank that is threatening to foreclose Susie's library. To cope with this, he tends to stop time and defecate in his boss's plant, causing his boss to go insane looking for the culprit. Um, <laughs> yeah. With both Susie and John at the end of their respective ropes, they decide to plan a heist and use the quiet, but of course he doesn't call it the quiet, he calls it cum world. Uh, so it is the cum world he sees it as cum world she calls it the quiet which is that is just indicative of the genders isn't it like that's yeah, just basically. indicative of like well she called and I think he at the time he she said, has an orgasm she goes to the quiet he has an orgasm it's the cum, cum world. world yeah come one come Sunday, all Sunday. <laughs> come one come all um now nah, i think i might put that in the description come one come all but um <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, yeah, it's funny because when they're talking about it, he's like, come world. And she's like, ugh, come world? And he's like, not everyone's a poet. And she's still like, ugh, come world, though. <laughs> he's like, stop judging me. That's just my word for it. Like, you have your word for it. It is what it is. Um, after the honeymoon phase of the relationship is over, John reveals that he is on medication. So talk to me about John and Susie real quick. How do you, how do you feel about the couple? How do you feel about... Um, what goes on with them? How do you feel about, um, like this whole want versus need thing, which is the other big, uh, I feel like it's the other big theme in this comic. Oh yeah. They're, they are very, cause I think it's already explained that, um, they're 28. So they're still like our age ish. So you trying to figure out like, so you can still see the very, like the, the adult themes of, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid type stuff. I can see that. Yeah. So, and that's what he doesn't want. You know, he has a job. He has enough money to pay and to live in a place without being homeless. He has like food to eat and clothes to wash. So he feels like he doesn't need much, but you know, Suzanne has goals. She has aspirations, motivations. She's trying to save a library here, folks. Nothing's more important than saving a library. She does, but I don't think she has nothing really else past that. Like, she doesn't really know. Like, we don't hear her talk about marriage or children. Well, I think that is her or... right now. I think that's the problem is she's putting everything in her life into one goal to where when she meets her gynecologist doctor and he, he says, I'm 26, she says, damn, did I dick away my entire 20s? Yeah, yeah. So it's like she has, she hasn't really done it. Once she found that goal, she didn't really need to do anything else. And that's the the problem is. So I really like the relationship because of its realism, to be honest with you. It's like you, you, you see if you've had a long enough relationship that that's real conversations that people have. That's and, the thing. I remember when I got into my most recent relationship, um, I had read a bunch of books and did all the research I needed to do. And they kept saying, like, there's a two year honeymoon period. And I kept thinking to myself, that's bullshit. Like, that's bullshit. The way I feel now, bullshit. I'm going to feel forever. That's not true. <laughs> um, I think going back to what we were saying, um, I think that all of us as humans are flawed. And, of course. Um, it, it's up to us to recognize, understand, um, and try to file those flaws down a little bit um, for each other, for our loved ones. Um, sharpen the, um, dull the sharpened edges uh, and love each other for who we are entirely as opposed to just the perfect versions that you see, especially nowadays where everything's on social media. Um, you don't ever really see a, the real version of a person. Uh, as soon as that camera goes up and that phone goes up in the air, it's, it's for the show. It's for everybody else. And so even with me thinking like, oh, come on, two years, that's so cold to say that after two years, people are going to change on each other. 
And it's just life. Like you start to I don't realize. think that it's that's what it is. I don't think it's change. Everybody wants to look at it as like, oh, you changed. You're a changed person. You're not the person that I met a year ago, that I met two years ago. It's like, no, I, I am. It's just you still wanted to see what you wanted to see. I, yeah. I've made the, the, the necessary steps to show you this is who I am as a person. Like I have my goods. I have my bads. Just because you waited two years to see my bads – doesn't mean that honeymoon periods is only two years. But, but what do you mean waited two years to see it? Like uh, that, that remember, mean, the, that remember the How I Met Your Mother episode with the breaking of the glass, where once you break the glass, you could never unbreak the glass, and everybody displayed their flaws. Like Ted kept saying, "Actually," uh, Robin kept saying, right, "Literally," right. Yeah. Uh, Barney saying every excitement, right. and you can't unbreak that glass. That was something that they always did within that 10 to 15 year friendship just because they chose not to see those flaws until they chose to. And then they say, oh, you changed. You never said actually. I feel like in friendships, um, there might be behaviors that uh, you may not necessarily like, but that very rarely has an effect on your actual life. Right. Like, let's say every time you said a word with an S in it, you had a crazy lisp. Like yeah, like, like suckering, yep. right. suckering That's only when you're around me. But if we're dating, you understand what I'm saying? That that flaw becomes our flaw. That becomes a thing that I have to deal with every day now. So yeah, but what if you never notice it until just one day out of nowhere? You're just like, wait a minute, do you really say? But that's your S- that's like, life. A lot of not noticing until you notice. But and once, then that person but once gets you notice like, that flaw, can you really say you changed? You never really said your S is like that. Oh, Why no, are you no, saying? No, that's another thing. I don't think anyone changes. I think that what you envision them changes because when you first meet somebody, not given any of the flaws or problems, they're the perfect person. Yeah. But I think part of love is understanding that no one's perfect and loving the imperfections in somebody. But to love those imperfections, you have to know what they are, which means that the person that loves you needs to trust you enough to let you see the parts that aren't so perfect. Which is what we see here. John where, is John is open. John is, That's John, why you're saying he's he's getting progressively uncooler as the issues go on. Because he's becoming he was, more flawed. He's more open, and he's more becoming more flawed. You find out about the drug stuff. You find out why he's pooping in the pooper in the plant. You find out. What's you see his, how his relationships are, are. All of his relationships are crappy. That the last girlfriend he crappy. the last girlfriend he was with he was on he was on medication and he didn't even want to have sex. With and her. all of those things. Well, she was unfortunately. Oh my God, that was so messed up. All of those things unfortunately taint your view they do he's no longer the guy coming in the suave uh you know womanizer coming in and meeting Susie. he's a very not very flawed but he's a very human i feel character. like once he stepped into therapy there was no longer the fonz john there was there was just oh my god this guy is very relatable yes and the thing is in our superhero comics very rarely do they go to therapy there's which means they get to stay cool. Because oh, when they go to therapy, people like Wally kill everybody. Yeah, shoot up everything. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the rest of these sex criminals. Because we, I've divided the characters into sex criminals and sex police. So the next person I feel like to talk sex about... police is, is like a Sting song. Like you can hear Sting singing yeah. a song called The Sex Police. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Jasmine St. Cocaine, a.k.a. Dr. Anna Kincaid. So she is hands down my favorite story arc. She's my favorite story arc because like she did this. She juxtaposed uh, with Suzanne where she one day discovered 
I could stop time with an orgasm. And then she went through to great lengths to wonder why. And then when she couldn't be able to afford to pay for the studies, she did a she did years of, of modeling, naked modeling, porn, a lot of drugs. Yeah, I think like And then Suzanne, she became a freaking teacher on Suzanne tenure. Is like entry level like sexual curiosity, right? Yeah. Um John knew more than Suzanne did. Well he so, like he said, he just he just Right. The the words came to his head, like I think with most guys, you and me, like the words just pop into your head oh so this is how i do right, this and right this is how i and do then he that went to the come world and found out a lot of stuff there too and so you you're 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 educated to not slight suzanne for her lack of knowledge you're educated to not judge john on where he chooses to masturbate and where he chooses to do with his his time in the come world but i think one of the biggest triumphs of this comic is the ability to not judge Jasmine St. Cocaine, who's been in, you know, dozens. She's a porn star. She's a stripper. Of, she's of a adult, naked model. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's a former stripper, a former model, a former adult film star, and a professor of horology, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, too. Or they even said it in, in with the meta. It's like, isn't that kind of a ironic that, uh, she, that I became a professor of time? Um, starring in nearly 100 films, Jasmine lived a life, um, lived the life, sorry, as a popular porn star until she experienced her first real orgasm on set decades after entering the uh, business through the same process in which Susie enters the quiet. Anna can take on a astral form after orgasm, although it takes her a little while to climax. You see, she has to take out the Sibian and the dildos. And oh yeah. When she, when, when you see her like climaxing in the hotel room, she's like sitting on a saddle. She has like her nipples to clamp. How so. hilarious was the, um, uh, synchronization of the orgasm scene of them texting each other until they, Yo, he, oh my <laughs> they're trying to text each other so they can orgasm at the same time it was hilarious and then yeah then they, she just came through the freaking wall this blonde this golden ghost it's, it was hilarious but what got me was when before we met Jasmine St. Cloud St. Cocaine's uh backstory I was telling my girlfriend like yo wouldn't it be hilarious that that if you use these powers and you become like the world's worst porn star and what happens the very next issue after i have this conversation with her is like being we introduced to a character that became a porn star and, and had this orgasm and that's thing, you know the orgasm the quiet all that stuff was such a life-changing experience that she quits the business she quits the business and, well, yeah, and she, she, starts she starts studying study uh the quiet and, and she studies everything to the point she becomes a professor on tenure yes that's yep this is why she became my favorite character arc because it's just like damn and she's like she became a professor i wouldn't know off the top of my head but i do think that there is a porn star who actually ended up becoming a professor yeah i don't know her name but that's actually there's another one. Well, a lot of porn stars that end up quitting end up actually going on to leading like great professions. And I don't want to say the word great profession because I don't judge sex work. It's still better money. Better profession than the work that they I work. guess societal standards of better profession. A profession's a profession. Anybody that's making money is better than me right now, I'll tell you that. And look, you know, you know, you have that narrative right there, right? Right there in the actual story, because I think early on when you first get introduced to the idea of Jasmine Say Cocaine, um Susie tries to judge her off the rip she tries to make some slights about like oh i i bet you an uncle touched her or a bunch of other like really kind of gross uh slights and then jasmine talks through the computer and it's like don't you judge me just because i'm a sex worker like you don't have the right to yeah that's when she closes the laptop yeah yeah and so very early on we're we're shown that they're um 
I th- well, I think it's one of the damn themes that we have this whole thing of normalizing sex and porn, and especially kinks. This idea well, that, that was really great about this comic that they didn't really judge anybody for anything. Where, e- where even um, John was saying that he had a homosexual experience, and she's like, eh, "I'm just asking questions. I'm not judging." Like, there wasn't that really was him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah right. he had a homosexual experience there with a blonde guy. guy. Yeah, you're right. There was one guy. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, you have this idea of normalizing sex, and it's a thing. It, it's kind of funny because we all do it. We all hope to do it. I guess eventually one day we all hope to be good at it, and um, we don't talk about it. It's, it's deemed not to talk about. Uh, and so what ends up happening is, especially when you're young, you start to think that every situation that you're going through is unique to you, which then makes you not want to express anything. And you end up getting a very uneducated um, outlook on sex in general. And that outlook ends up getting changed by society, by the people that you hang around, um, the way that they view sex and the way that you're um, taught um, the importance of it really determined how you feel about it. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those weird people that grew up watching Cat House and Real Sex for like research purposes and educational purposes and not like waiting to see a boob to press pause. And I can't really actually remember um, like sitting down and having to talk. Like I can't remember. I think that they just thought I would eventually. Oh, no, I had, to ta- I had to talk with, with, with my parents, but I was already in like going into high school when I was having to talk with my parents and yeah. it's like well I mean I'm not doing anything like crazy but I'm already well established with that world with that world but what I love with is the, world. what I <laughs> what I really loved loved about that is um the way that they they um narrated themselves how they felt when they were kids about it like I didn't know what I was doing this was just an I always figured this was an adult thing that I had to wait to understand and Right. Now I'm understanding it. It's like, yeah, it's an adult thing. Like, I like that they established that. Yeah. And like, it's, like you said, again, you know, we got people that dress up. We got people who get dressed up or who dress up other people. We have, um, you know, BDSM stuff in here. Uh, home oh, I think that the, I think everything in this world can be some sort of kink. Yeah. Like, I think there's people that get aroused by getting wet towels belted on their ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, that makes there's sense. just the, anything can truly be a kink. And if that's the case... Then that means that everybody has a kink. But they've also uh, they've also kind of sort of pointed at like your early childhood development and how you rationalize things like sex leads into your kinks. Because depending on what you're being told you're supposed to do when you're in there, you know, or what you see or what, you know, those will be the first things that um, you turn to. Uh, so there's an instance later on, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, where there's this uh, guy who got, who his, I think his father passed away, his father walked out on him. And um, his mother would always run things in the house. Like she was dominant and she was Yeah, I probably wasn't there yet. Probably and so there's a part for. where he's a kid and he is playing with his toys and his mother accidentally steps on his hand with heels and rushes to help him. And from that moment on, he needs to feel pain to basically ejaculate to, to that's his kink he BDSM he went into stuff. the freaking Say, into into the quiet when he got his hand stepped on um not then but later like he kept hurting himself to get because attention, he liked that pain y'all attention and, and oh and he got pain. like some sort and of like munchausen with yeah, that attention pen- t- shit it all got connected yeah so it, they do great points to be like oh you know all of this started somewhere you didn't you don't just wake up with kinks well that that's it, what i liked about elix 
where yeah. she's asexual, so her her orgasming is adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, that's we get, awesome. We get to uh, Alex Alex, who is asexual, like you said, and she has similar powers, but because she doesn't, she has no affinity for sex. It doesn't make any. What sense I love is I love the diversity of what get, gives people orgasms because they're really drawing a line in the sand that there's a difference between ejaculation and orgasms. Yeah, and I also think that there is a um, there's something metatextual about orgasms being not only something that's common in the sense that everyone can achieve it, but also it also is very personal and it also is very unique to you. So we're all allowed to have them, but also remember that yours is special. Yes. You understand? Even though we all have them, sometimes we, people say, right, if everybody's special, then nobody's special. But in the case of these orgasms, every orgasm is as special as the next one. So uh, that, that was like one of the most wholesome, dirty things I've ever said. <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Let's talk about Douglas D. Douglas. That weird A mild-mannered oh, orderly fuck. who lives with his mom but can command a great, giant anime tentacle monster made out of semen. How is it yes. That's all I hear in my head. I'm uh, Krieger's... Uh, like hologram girl. Oh, yes. Krieger-san. Help me, Krieger-san. <laughs> Come save me. All, all of that. Oh, my God. And uh, it even says it translated in some, some weird alien cum language. And it doesn't really make any sense the same way like when you uh, translate pure Japanese into English sometimes. It doesn't really make uh, complete sense like apples to oranges kind of way. But, um, yeah, Douglas, he, he's, a, he's fine. He's... he's um, you know, he toes the line. He follows the rules. He does everything he has to do. He takes care of his 90-year-old ailing mother. And then he works at an old folks home as an orderly. Uh, he likes working for people. And he likes working, helping people. No, yeah, he likes working to help people. Yeah. it's. I read it the same way, too. I read, Wait, you like working for people? Yeah. Oh, no, he likes working to help people. And on occasion, ahead. he'll orgasm. And then, he puts know. on a He puts on an old Japanese mask and he's just jerks. And that's the thing. We find God. out about Alex and Douglas D. Douglas because... Um, Jasmine Seiko Kane, uh, Susie, and John find out that they're not the only ones that they can that can do this when they stop time. And there's actually sex police. Yo, I really like the progression of, I thought I was the only one that has this power. Oh, wait, we're not alone. We need to band up. There's guys that... It gives me like a real like jumper vibe. Like in the beginning, it, it was giving I, me the jumper vibe. I liked it, but I also was kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't... Like, that's the obvious arc right that is the obvious arc but you know what the thing is it's one of those cliches that if you do it wrong you're gonna point out that it's a cliche but when you do it right you're gonna say well that's just a good formula yeah we were so entertained with the um pov of john and Susie that we didn't care if there was others we weren't weren't really oh no once we got to like once i got to where uh jasmine saying cocaine got her own pov douglas got his own pov i'm like all right so we're going here where it's now when we introduce new characters, everyone's going to get their own origin issue. That's how we do fillers? Yeah. And then I can dig it. If that's how we're doing what quote-unquote fillers, then I can dig it. I've already talked about um, the sex criminals. Oh, those are all the sex criminals. Let's talk about the sex police. I love this woman. It's starting, hilarious. Starting with Kegel Face. Kegel Face. Oh, um, my God. Would you God. like to explain to the audience what a Kegel is? Uh, a Kegel is like when you do like um this like... <laughs> Pelvic, it, it's a pelvic exercise. It's it's a it's a way to flex your pelvis so that you can get you better can clinch. It's like your, a clinch of a, your pelvic floor. Yeah, and so there these are exercises that you can do 
seemingly undetectable because no one's watching you. You ever, do these you ever clinch yourself? Just like clinch, and when you clinch, you feel it in your the bottom of your balls, and it reaches up to the front. <laughs> that's a kegel. That's yeah, a kegel. Yeah. When you, when you do that, that's what men that, and women can do. It. Um, it, it got really big a couple years ago. Yeah. After research and stuff like that. Um, and so they call Myrtle Spurge kegel face. Yeah, and I because, love her explanation behind it. Because she looks like she's doing kegels. She's constantly doing kegels. Yeah. Um, and uh, to give you a non-sexual descriptor of that, they say that her mouth is sunken like Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, she called her Tilda Swinton. Okay, hold on. We just need a, for, a pause for a moment because this book is just actively bullying me like they are testing my patience with how much i can take with these pop culture references and i thought it was just it was just a little bit with like just the, the throwing out actors and actresses names or doing these little like fun like play on words and puns but no they have posters to movies that are like so indie you wouldn't even know that it exists there's a poster in the back when they go when the susan suzanne and uh john Go to Come World, yeah. like the actual porn shop Come World, uh-huh. and they're running around. There's a poster to a movie called Moon, starring Sam Rockwell oh, in the yes. background, but it's a porn parody and it's called Spoon. I think it's just called Poon. Oh yeah, Poon. I thought it was, <laughs> so it was Poon, and it's yeah, I think it's just Poon. <laughs> there's in um, what's it called? I think it was either Ke- Askira. And Ke- Askira killed me in Kegelface's basement. She has an iron throne of dildos. I think they have Phil Bill. They have uh, Phil, they, <laughs> they have a uh, hard on Fink. Yeah, hard on Fink was it? Joel and Ethan one. Bowen. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yo, um, like starring uh, Johnny Spaturo. And so they go to rob this bank, and all of a sudden, these three like people in glowing outfits show up, and you think that like they, it, it's very much like the main. Oh, I love that because that's how they opened the issue with that's how they opened the first page with the sex in the bathroom and someone speaking through a megaphone talking like, "Oh, you got five seconds to get out here now," and I'm like, "Oh." Sex criminals, they're probably robbing something. We're probably starting at the end in here and we're going to go to the beginning. So it helped me get more context. But yeah. now that I see, like, they got to it, now they did one of those. All right, now that we're caught up, now we're going to go straight forward into the rest of the story. Like, I love that. Yeah, so we meet um, Myrtle Spurge, uh, but she doesn't get that name for a while. She's referred to as uh, Kegel Face for a very long that's time. That's how she goes into the quiet, right? She does Kegel. Uh, so that's the thing, yeah, because she has this opportunity. Because she has this ability to perform <laughs> um, devastating kegels, she can orgasm on, on cue at will. So we find out that she's an unhappy wife and a mother of two and is the sole female member of the sex police. Because of her immense control of her pelvic floor, Miss Spurge can orgasm at will and is one of the more dangerous members of her trio. While we are led to believe that she's the leader of her group, we soon realize that she takes orders from Cooper Badal. Myrtle eventually starts to sleep with John's doctor in an attempt to extract information on him and Susie, but the doctor falls in love, complicating things for both of them. Um, yeah, Myrtle is definitely the antagonist in this whole situation. How do you feel about the idea that Myrtle does this well, what, what, part-time? What's really, I, I guess, in a sense, is, I guess from the perspective of when you're trying to go into the narrative of John and Suzanne are our main characters, they're our protagonists, I guess we do, in a sense, need an antagonist, but really... What is she doing that's antagonistic? They're the ones robbing the bank. They're the ones going I, after her. They're the ones fucking with but anta- her. But like, um, antagonists and protagonists don't really have to be like... They don't have to sit on the sides of the law like that, right? Because if, if the protagonist is a thief, then the antagonist would be... Uh, the cop. cop. Yeah. Right? 
Um, just like when Walter White was the protagonist, anybody trying to shut him down is the antagonist. Um, and so even though there are heroes, there you know these are this is the meeting, I guess. No, I guess that's what I've always found so funny is like when uh, when our when the hero then when we're given heroes that are bad guys that are literally criminals, the antagonist ends up being the good side of the law. Yeah, that's always how it ends up going down. Right. Even though they're right. Yeah, they're even though they're right. right yeah, just in our narrative perspective. But I think, but I think that there's something to this sex police thing, because when you find out, what you find out later on is that they don't have really any authority. They don't work for anybody. There's no sex jail. I think they're trying to keep themselves low profile. I think that's what she was saying when she was explaining to to them at first when she yeah. kidnapped them. That listen, you can't do this because then you're gonna get us. Spotted, you get us and spotted, I, and you get us fucked. We're gonna I think, fuck there's, a, you, I think like... there's a bit of that, but I think it's a broader metaphor for the, I guess what some people would angrily call the PC police. <laughs> right? They hold no authority. They can't arrest you. They can't do anything. They to just you. want you to not break the law while you're inside time and mostly uh, because time. mostly because it bothers them. Yeah, but. What does it matter? Well, the they they, they, they you... call them fascists. Right. They called them fascists because that's what they said. That's what they were ultimately aiming to do. Like, you you can go into stop time. Just don't break the law when you're stopping time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, wait, who are you? Right. You know, who, the, once they find out they have no authority, it's like, yeah, who gave you the authority to tell me not to do that? But the thing is, you find out later on that um, Cooper Badal... Well, I don't think. Well, yeah, isn't it that you find out that they're robbing a bank that one of her like quote unquote henchmen like so owns Cooper, and stuff? Cooper Badal, um, he's the richest guy in Appletown and uh, or Appleton. I can't remember through uh, through ways not yet revealed. Badal uses the quiet and some sort of machine to extract important stock market information, making and keeping him rich. And so we see him do this, and so he is he's doing the same thing. He's lying. He's cheating. Yeah. Um. And so. It's that's what life is, right? People telling you you can't do that because it bothers me. What is it? What do you even care? Why are you paying attention? You have no authority. You can't arrest me. You're just bothered. So now I have to stop what I'm doing because it's it's not to your sensibilities. Um, so I think that the, that's what the sex police is supposed to represent. Um, outside culture coming in and trying to shame you for living your life. You know, like everyone. We all agree yeah, that everyone sense. has sex. Like, you know what I'm saying? We all have sex. So then why are we being so... But you can't get spanked when you have sex. Like, that's a no. Or you that's can, a... but don't say that you do. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because now I know yeah. you do, and that Plausible deniability me. helps me more than... Yeah. You think... You, you live... You walk through this world happily, or happier, without thinking of everybody on the street as you has either had sex or on their way to have sex... Or was born as a result of sex. That's just the truth. And we take it so far out of our minds that we're all alien to each other. My experiences, I've only experienced, you've never experienced them. Um, now, And we also know, like, as far as the genders are concerned, girls tr- tend to talk to girls, guys to guys. But it's not always easy. It's not always easy, especially if you feel like your take on everything isn't the quote-unquote normal take. Well, I mean, especially if you are the only person in existence that was well, seemingly in your head that stops time when you orgasm, who can you truly go to? Who's going to understand? And how can you take them there? Like, you can't... Yeah. They would have to have the powers, too, and you two would have to orgasm at the same time 
to go. And even then, you would already have an understanding. So why would you even need to explain? But somebody but that that's doesn't why, know. That's why I think that that's another metaphor. I think that um, the various different people in the sex criminals from the asexual. I guess you can look at it as kinks. Star. Like that's their kinks. And, and it's also the thing like I thought I was alone. Yeah. Because. What? Because you, you like specific think of the first AB? the person who ever got spanked or the first person who ever liked whips. They must have been crazy because they were like. Don't tell nobody. Please. I can't. I just. Have, no one yeah. knows. You know what I'm saying? No one knows. That's and if they find terrible. out, it'd be crazy. But enough people do it that it has a name now. But before it had a name, you got to think yeah, that people were doing that on the low. And every be quiet king about started it. at the quietness at the bottom. And it all started with I thought I was the only one. I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. And that's it. usually how I guess you would say. Even us as humans, we feel the same way. Like, wow, I thought I was alone. It's like, nope, you were not. You're not alone. I'm intensely proud of this book's um, ability to hold on to responsibility because the topic of sex is very important and miseducation can do some real damage out there. Um, And so they go through to, uh, sorry, they go tick with it. They pull stats from Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah, that was great that they pulled um, stats from Planned Parenthood. Talk a little bit about that, that, um, monologue that jasmine saying cocaine has about abnormal versus normal that was great 100 percent great what i liked about it is that she was pulling differences really like she was saying well um in the 1990s women were they finally stopped outlawing women getting their um clitoris like mutilated for studying and how men need to jerk off and they need to ejaculate because it stops them from having violent behaviors and uh, depression as where women don't particularly need to jerk off and they don't need to orgasm. Like there's like apparently there are studies that like the female orgasm doesn't exist. But I liked really is like like you can see her intelligence and you can see like Fraction really with his writing. You can see he understands how a college room looks where she was break. She was using the Socratic method to break down what she was talking about normality versus abnormality where normal from the latin normal and meaning this and straight goes- box and how uh, abnormal comes from the greek alanos and it means monstrosity so what is a monstrosity and what is a normal thing like but the way she was just the way the the writing of that monologue went was full blown teacher lecture like yeah. you can see that it was a full on teacher's lecture I did. It showed me how disproportionate um, sex education is to the genders, because they go to great lengths again um, of to, to say like for years, like up until like she says something like um, up until nineteen nineties, uh, the mutil they stopped mutilating women for studies. Like, womb, like that's crazy. Womb hysteria. Like they had yeah, they created, womb hysteria. They created illnesses, mental illnesses for women to excuse actual biology in them. And so they'll be like, oh, no, she just has womb hysteria. Apparently, <laughs> apparently G-Spot was made up by two guys. Right. And but if they still don't know where it is, yeah. They've been incorrectly saying where, where it's at. Like you were saying before, um, women were told that a, a clit, to have a clitoris... Is to be a lesbian. A it was a defect. And that's why they would mutilate them. Yeah, but and, she also said like uh some that, that there were certain studies that would convince women that if you had a clitoris, you were a lesbian. Right. That's sick. But that's the same thing. That's as like, sick. So um, if you have a clitoris, you're not supposed to have it. So you get it mutilated. Um, 
which meant that orgasms, which primarily come from clitoral stimulation, um, were also not permitted. Because without a clit, how can you have an orgasm? So those who did not get it mutilated would then have this rushing sensation and then have to tell themselves, what the fuck was that? You know, I can't ever feel this again. I'm exactly, going to get thrown in the stockade. Exactly. This is wrong. I shouldn't be feeling this. And that creates such a poison mentality when it comes to sex. Especially if you live in households that are a little bit more strict um, where you can't have ask the questions or have the narrative that um, you know to get better educated on it. And you see it because when Suzanne was asking her mother, remember that was the first person that she went to when she didn't know what the hell was going down with her orgasms. She went to her mother and she went to ask her a question and she says, oh, great, my daughter, the slut. Yeah. She's like, strike one. Yeah. Yeah, you, they, you, can't even, you can't even go to them for that. Can't even go to your own parents. Let's talk real quickly about uh, another member of the sex police, the bus driver. Little is known about the bus driver. Besides Poor the bus fact driver. That he drives a bus, he's a gay man, and is usually forced to administer BJs to his boss, Cooper Badal. Oh, that uh, was that was the sickest panel ever. It was like right after like uh, Kegel Face was naked, and she's like, "Doesn't he say like I didn't say stop or something like that?" Yeah, he said, "Yeah." <laughs> what I liked is they like uh, they they saw they saw Kegel Face naked, and then they left the house while she was continuing to have sex with uh, Mark Marin looking character. Yes, and Not then they were ass. just and then they were like talking about it. They were like, "Oh, uh, that that was pretty hot, right?" Yeah, and then I saw that they drew the next panel. That both the seats were revolved were revolved back. Yeah, and you hit, and you see the drawing of the eek 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 eek. I'm like, yeah, oh my man, god, what the fuck? Are we not going to talk about the bus driver's dildo nightstick? Yo, the bus driver got a dope ass dildo nightstick. It glows. I, I can't even <laughs> I can't even front that it wasn't. Dope. It was a fun it was a fun fight scene to watch to read. Yeah. it was a really fun fight scene to read and like see illustrated because uh, like especially when John grabbed like a double bladed dildo and you yes. see the hilt that he's and holding like glowing, an actual it's glowing and stuff it's ridiculous uh we got some other characters though we got rachel jackson Susie's longtime friend and roommate rachel was considered one of the dirty girls in school so Susie went to her to be taught about sex i listen rachel's really like i, I want to say she's loyal but i also want to say like she also got a mind of goddamn business because she's actually the reason why she, Kegel. Yeah, she's the reason why Kegel is. face ever came into the mix she was the catalyst to Kegel face finding them but there's a bit there's a part that's important as hell where Susie is talking to Rachel and she tells her she looks at Rachel's face and she says to herself um like when did I start lying to you like this is now this is gonna be yeah it. and then she like, was she wasn't even paying attention to what right. to her, the conversation and so, and so who what do you consider the first wrong someone telling on somebody or someone not coming clean well I mean like Maybe like right because I guess uh, I guess you gotta it's a, go. It's with a the muddied phone. area. It's a muddied it, area. It, it is muddy, but that's Be- what I'm saying. I don't think anything because anything was, in this like, book is clear cut. If, there is no right and wrong. She was she wasn't Susie, Susie wasn't going out of her way to hurt Rachel any in any way, and they were really but like Rachel thought that Susie might hurt herself. That was a big issue. She thought that all the things that Susie was doing was as a result of John. She thought that he got a new she got a new guy, and all of a sudden he got her into robbing banks. You know, not knowing that they're kind of robbing it for Susie. Like, they're kind of, that's kind of... It was a mis- It was a fun with Dick and Jane move, right, really. Like, right. But what the thing about it was, at the end of the day, is they both, as a couple, mutually came to the agreement that we're going to pay back the money that we stole. Yeah. Yeah, because Rachel becomes Susie's roommate and confidant, but then she calls the cops when she thinks that John is influencing Susie to And it ends it up off. being intercepted by Kegelface, and that's, and that's, who that's what sparked it all, yeah. yeah. 
When Susie finally comes clean about the quiet, Rachel doesn't cause a big scene. She simply asks for proof. And when Susie is able to draw dicks on her face without her knowing, she decides to help. Susie oh, that was one of the most out. that was one of the most endearing uh, uh, panels when they were in the coffee shop together, yeah. and she explains to her the quiet, and there was like a like like six panels of silence between them, yeah. and then all of a sudden she's like, "I queefed so hard one time, I made the bed sheet move." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I fucking yeah. died. Cause she was basically I was like, dead. "When I orgasm, I stop time, and we use it sometimes to rob banks." And it got real quiet. And she's like, "Yeah, one time I queefed so hard that the blanket moved." And so, yeah, man. And just we- seeing that, the, like, like Zardowski just illustrate her like hand waving, and you see like, yo, when, oh my god, his illustrations are superb. Like their mouth, clean. the facial it's all movements. Very clean. Yeah. There's a lot of space for the art to talk to you. There's not many uh, word, word one, balloons. One thing I got the credit was the way his facial movements are that he draws them. Like when um when Dr. Glass is, is frozen in time and Kegel Face gets off the bed, you see him still there drawn with his tongue sticking out yeah. because he ate her out for the orgasm. What, a, and then what he, an image is that though? The image – then he did it a couple times where it's somebody's head right above the private area. Um, I think they do it a couple times with Kegel. Oh my, no, they did they it with it um, with they did it with Alex, where she was giving, he- where she was gonna give head <laughs> the first time, and, and you just see her trying to get in closer. And it's just the one dickhead just in the like in the foreground. It She's was like, just, do I want to do it? I don't want to do it. Do I want to do it? And her faces was just crazy because you just see her mouth like exaggeratedly wide open, like the poster of Bull Durham. Like another another big thing though is that you see that um a lot of these people who have their stories start off. In early high school, it's like, I need to have sex because everybody else is having sex. I don't know what it is, but everyone's doing it, so let's do it. And um, that causes a lot of people to have very different takes on what sex is, depending on how successful they were in getting it when they were that age. So I think that that's that's another very truthful um, experience. I like how, um, what I I liked about that whole, like, everybody having their own sexual experiences was like, I guess in a sense you can call it the montage because like a lot of movies and comic books I'm finding that like have montages and comic books I'm not I can't believe I've never noticed it before but I guess when uh, John was explaining his sexual experiences all the girlfriends that he like had or like the first girlfriend he ever had the second time he ever orgasmed where he he was in college and it was a college girl like I really liked the way he was just explaining all the crappy times he was just having sex yeah that was hilarious yeah. Because it usually in those cases you think that it's all hard stars and horseshoes, right? I'm talking about all the people I had sex with, so they, they were all great. They were all tens. I was always a ten, and that's what it was. But that's not the case, and I think that's very uh, important to to notice. I only ever had one ten in my life, and that's it. And uh, that's she knows to, who she is. That's good to know. Let's talk about Doctor Glass. John's. Uh, that's hilarious. Just Doctor Glass. Like I feel like it's a it's a pop culture reference. I feel like it's a reference. You got uh, Dr. Glass, who's John's psychiatrist. John uh, was going to a psychiatrist in the mall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the guy was drawing dicks and, and uh, when am I going to get this appointment? Yeah, he wasn't and listening to him. And he not jokes, at all. And the guy's just drawing dicks. And so uh, he's, he quits, goes into his um, – into his – like because he's in the mall. So he goes into the food court oh, yeah, and he goes starts to... cursing at the top no, of his No, he tongue. screams, shit on my dick. And that was the first birth of the shit on my something running joke that everybody screams in that fucking comic book series. Yeah. Which is just great. Shit on my tits. Shit on the balls of my cock. Shit. It's great. But yeah, he just screams in the food court. Shit on my dick. Yes. And then um, the psychiatrist is like, 
Uh, well, you hey, believe it's a dead ringer from Mark Maron, right? I believe it's just straight. That, that come on, that he looks just like Mark Maron. That's it. How you feel about some of that initial early on um, advice? Oh, I thought it was great because I I didn't know he was a psychiatrist until after the conversation where he says he's a psychiatrist. But until then, I was just like, I. Th- you know what it was? Is before I found out that he was a psychiatrist, I was actually hoping for a really budding friendship. I was hoping that John gets some sort of like, you know, like sidekick that he can like relate to and talk to. And it would be like his best friend through like the whole rest of the series. But then it comes to find out it's going to be a psychiatrist. I'm like, oh, great. Now he has an ethical standpoint not to be his friend. That sucks. But I like that the first two things that were instructed uh, were told to um, to uh, the doc or told to John was one workout. The body needs oxygen. Oh yeah, the brain. Yeah, the, the brain is a, the brain's like an organ, like everything else. It needs blood, blood pumping. It the needs body's a machine. Oxygen, so go. That's that's actually true. That's uh, like to be honest. If you're going through something, add the smallest, most minuscule exercise regime to your uh, daily life, and you will definitely feel the effects. Um, working out brings out endorphins. It of course. just does. Yeah. Uh, it lets out your frustrations. Which is great because it's, if you really see for the rest of the, well, you finished the series, but for me, from what I got up to, up to issue 15, he has exercise clothes on. He's always in a sweatband when, oh, after, after, after he gets, he the, gets advice, the advice yeah. to work out, he's always running. He's yeah. running like 45 minutes every day. And I'm not going to lie, it's kind of inspiring me to start running a little bit. And he doesn't like to do it. All his shirts are like, I hate running. No, like the that. one I loved was uh, the, the red one in issue 14 that said, yeah, I think it was like screw it. Everybody's a pendant. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh? Don't worry, be worry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a very good one. I think they actually have uh put that out that shirt. Uh, don't worry, be worry, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, so do you like Doctor Glass? Do you like him for John? Do you like what's going on there? You know, he eventually ends up having sex with Kegel Face, and I think he wants to be with her, right? What do you think? I think that uh yo, that was so kind of weird. That that got me more interested than anybody else's like storyline for the rest of the issue where like he's like trying to do work and he's like fuck. And yeah. she's like trying to sleep and she's like fuck. I'm like damn. Wait. Do oh, they like each other? Cuz they keep thinking about They keep each other. thinking about each other. I'm yeah. like, "Oh my god. I I don't want to know nothing, but I just want to I just I just like that that there's like something there. Like they're giving us something there. You could not have convinced me that all of these um were going to go like all these people would meet and have these relationships with each other. I ne- I definitely didn't. Well, you know what I like about this about this series is Everybody in that town, in that, like, I guess they're in a metropolis area, like like New York City or something. But I like that when, like, uh, we're going to get to them in a, in a second. But I like how everybody just, like, knows each other since they were kids. Yeah. And then or it, something like that. I like, everybody Appleton, has a connecting. Like that. It seems like a small enough town. So it's not like. It's, oh, that's uh, what, that that really is the name of that town, Appleton? Appleton. I thought, like, I thought, I, I didn't know what the hell Appleton was. I thought it was, like, where he was from. Like, because his name's, like, Kaburd uh, Badal. Kaburd. Uh, so, Cooper Vidal, so I feel like he's, like, from, like, Dubai or something. So I thought, like, there's an Appleton in Dubai, but that's just nonsense. And now that it comes out of my mouth, I'm So what, what it. do you think is it about, is it about Kegel Face? Do you see Kegel Face leaving her husband? Is that is that an arc for you that you'd be happy with? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Because you know what it is, is you got to be happy at the end of the day, man. Everybody deserves to be happy. I deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. Me? Yeah. Hey. What? 
Come that's on, good. man. That's good to know. George the Don, you're you were you were only a heel for some time. Hey, doesn't lying. mean you're not doesn't deserve to be happy. You ain't lying. But I feel like Kegelface is is one of those like um I feel every story she that could have stole that. Like she had like a, a issue with straight up taking it. She like took a picture of it and then she Oh yeah, that's right. She she he's like, Yo, you you're enjoying this because you could simply just you know, clench your pussy, go into the quiet. Grab go it, go there, grab it, done. bring, and the, that's it. But, you keep but going you're back, keep yeah. going to him to get. And you know what this is? It's true because she's seeing him from where it's implying to me at least three, four times. Yeah. Because it's like every panel, it's like there's a he. Either he's wearing something new, or they're in a new area. Either they're fucking in his house or the therapist office. So I like that she keeps going back to him. To get information little by little by little by little. It's giving her a reason to actually see him and stay with him. Are you up to the point where Glass starts to see Kincaid? Uh, like me? Yeah, I, they, I, oh, see. Yeah, like dating. Oh, no, no, no. I haven't seen that yet. So, But, uh, uh, man, then very, that's, I, I would like Kegel face more. Now, nah, get into all that because it's not all, none of it's resolved. Um, but you know the things, I guess it would make more sense that, but Glass would be dating well, Kincaid. There's a scene in this that I wanted to really talk about where um, Mark Marin, uh, Dr. Glass, is I eating, love it. he's eating out um, what's her face? Uh, Jasmine St. Cocaine. They've been dating for a while now. Um, they had Damn, their passage of time is great. There's, um, there's a, they, first they go to dinner, right? And there's a very, very awesome uh, panel or, or, or uh, spread page i'm getting all these wrong now um but basically what happens is jasmine's like you know um i've been talking a lot and you haven't really been talking and i feel like you're just doing your like doctor patient thing right now and that's not cool and he literally goes off not in an angry way but he's like oh no i've been thinking of many things i've been thinking about this i've been thinking about that and the word bubbles are populated in a way that people are dodging them because there's so many big words and so many big word bubbles that like waiters are going, trying to move out of the way because the bubble's on the way. Oh, they actually the bubble, did a yeah, metal. They, the they bubble, did a metal thing like that. Yeah, the bubble knocks over a table, like one of the tables, because it's so big. And um, so you you find out that he's actually very. Uh, he knows of her porn history and her porn, you know, her old career. Um, but he's very intrigued in the woman that the educated woman that she's become now. And um. So they have this moment that I want to talk about where he's eating her out and um, she's like, you can, you can stop. Like, you, it, it, you're good. <laughs> and he's like, damn, man, I really wanted you to orgasm. Um, and she goes, no, you really needed me to orgasm. Damn. She's like, he's like, what? And he's like, she's like, yeah, all that that you were doing down there, none of that was for me. That was for you. Because you know you're with the big porn star, and you had to have you had to be the big man that made the porn star come. That's why you were down there. That's why you. Were, as a matter of fact, how many different versions of me? How many other roles of me are you seeing in this room right now? And I was like, damn, damn, Jasmine, you really, you really, you really. Get it's it. always someone named Jasmine. You know, um, but just to put you in your place. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the idea that we might be reaching for goals or, or you know, like like. Fucking it's not and you know, all this is, other kind of she's stuff not in ways wrong. that we're not that we're it's not even communication with our partner. We're trying to beat some 
like some mythical idea, god yeah, that's just like not there. Of, yeah, of their greatest lover. So now we have to come in and be, you know, even better. How, what, do you, what do you say to that? How do you feel? About I that? say that, hey, I've been there. We've all been there. It's like, it, it's you. You say out loud, "I want to make you come for you," but we all truly know. That you just need to be remembered. You need to be praised. You need to hear the damn, you did a great job because it helps you boost your ego nice more than anything. Yeah, you need she that pat like, on the back. She goes, with your beard, you've been exfoliating my vagina for the last. Jesus <laughs> this like, Christ. This is oh madness. So we got oh. Jasmine St. Cocaine, who's incredibly intersexual. Well, speaking let's talk of about... Jasmine St. Cocaine, I, now here's a, here's a scene that I want to talk about. Oh, I want to talk about that fucking, that meta ass conversation between Chip oh, and Matt. Oh, where they were supposed to get into an argument. Where, he, it was supposed, where they were supposed to get into an argument. Yeah, where she literally shows up at her house glowing in, glowing like, gold. And she's yeah. like, we need to talk or I'm going to beat the sh- I'm going to slap the shit out of you. And I'm like, oh shit. Or even Susie's like, uh, oh? It's like, yeah, oh, she's about to slap the shit out so of you. So what do you think that was all about? I think he did. Well, what, did you think, what did you think it was about between the characters? And then what do you think what decision do you think Matt and Chip decided on? I think what he well, what he wanted to do was he wanted to have a way that, that shows like Susie being talked down on, but it was going to end up being too preachy on, on uh, St. Saint, Saint Cocaine's end. And he wanted it to be realistic without being too preachy. And the, the way I see it is, is it's a simple, you don't like me. Your boyfriend is, you think yeah, you're jealous because your boyfriend had an old little boy crush on me and now you're you're uh, going after the work that I used to do, and I, I see what he meant with the whole preachiness. But I feel like there are ways to talk about it without fully sounding like you're on some mountain. But just seeing the meta end of it, where it's just like he calls he calls uh, Zardoski up off the phone, and he says, "Yeah, listen, I I need to do a scene, and I don't know how to write this scene, and I just want to write this scene." And and Chip's just like, "Listen." Why don't we just go meta? It's our comic book. Fuck it. We'll just throw this conversation in there. I'll even I'll even illustrate it. It was fantastic. And they kept they, they kept calling each other chum. Yeah. Like back and forth. They kept saying, Hey, you know, hey chum, you still there, chum? I think it's Matt with the with the like the crown and the robe and all that stuff there. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um but I think the best part of that conversation is the um, admittance that neither one of them really knew what to do with that. Like it's no, they had, had no idea this what they were doing. This is touchy subject matter. I'm I'm hitting you up because I recognize that all of this is very touchy, and he doesn't I, want to sound preachy. I wa- and I, and I want to do right by these characters because these characters, while they well, he even said it, it's all about the arc. But this, con- he said that this conversation wasn't going to be relative. Or, or, or like you know, important to to the arc. So why do I need to have it? But I feel like I do need to have it to resolve something. And it's like, yeah, I guess you're right that you you could either always have Kincaid and Dicker and Dixon fighting it with each other, always at words, or you can finally have them have a conversation. But he didn't know how to do it faithfully. It's also it's, it's hard. Also, there's very few people you want to get into an affection competition with, and I don't know if your boyfriend's favorite porn star is one of them. You know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty I big... mean, listen, I, I, as, as somebody who has been in those positions before... Which positions? The, 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 the position of 
having I'm a celebrity having the position of having a celebrity crush that your girlfriend is very jealous of and just always uses it against you as a yeah i bet you wish i had red hair didn't you what, like, if, they, you what know. if y'all all knew each other though it would be it would be worse yes yeah, it would saying. be worse that's what i'm saying that like no but he yeah but john's not doing a very good job to make his girlfriend <laughs> feel <laughs> feel secure but that's his like Boo, that's the girl he first masturbated to. Okay, but I'm not going to have the girl that I've... I'm not going to have Katie Morgan in the same room as Jasmine and have just me be like, so, I've seen all of your movies. Like, you know, you have like that's a perfect... Exactly, that's what he said? No, he, no, he, 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 said, like, he said... I, he's like, hey, he said, I'm a big fan. That's what it was. He's like, I'm a big fan. Okay. And it's like, you, you need to be more like, you know... You need to be more just... uh, What's the one like? conscientious of, of people's other people's feelings so let's let's talk a little bit about somebody who's not not as versed as jasmine saying cocaine oh let's i hate this robert dude. rainbow i hate this dude i hate his name so he, i love his illustrations i think he's drawn very like dopely i can see many like actors that exist nowadays that could like really play him like i would put like um what's his nah, face john boyega i'd put oh, not nah, old boy from um psych James Dooley, Dooley Hill, Dooley Hill. That was it. Uh, James Roday, James Roday, and Dooley Hill. That was it. Dooley Hill. Get him in there. See if Blair Underwood was still young, I would cast Blair Underwood. But I would get someone like, listen, get Hank Azari. Not not Hank Azari. Hank Azari. Get uh, Aziz Ansari. Actually, wouldn't be bad. Get Aziz Ansari, but just not have his Tom role. Robert Rainbow's introduced. I think he's kind of also introduced because there isn't many black people in this comic. You know, it's very uh, a very racially divided area, Appleton. No, Appleton's a very racially divided area. Um, but they do have an asexual Asian, so there's that. No, the asexual Asian lives in Miami. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so does the... <laughs> yeah. Um, so Susie's new OBGYN and an old friend of John's, uh, Robert Rainbow, Susie first meets him as he is filling in for her old doctor and takes liking to him. He tells her that she has, and I quote, a perfect cervix. Is that? Oh yeah, he said like your diaphragm is like I need. He goes, I we used to practice with practice cervixes, and yours is identical to the perfect practice cervix. Jesus Christ! And then he says, "By the way, we got some med students here. You mind <laughs> yeah. if they all come in and get a good look at your?" Yo, cervix. like thirty med students, guys and girls, were all poking and prying to feel her vagina because it's the per it's per the diaphragm is perfect. Because he was getting her fit for like he was getting her fit for I think like a, a an IUD or something, and that's when he realized. No, well, he was asking questions in general about, about like because she was feeling shitty because of her birth control. Yeah, that was um, it. She was feeling like a boiled, sweaty Hulk. Yes, I've heard I've heard horror stories about. I dated a girl the, that 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 got fatter off of her birth control yeah, pills, the, and it, her mood went crazy. Yeah, it's literally changing the chemical compound in your body. That and, sucks. And making it do things that it doesn't do that automatically. Is sucks. And so to force that. Causes a bunch of different, uh, you know. They even illustrated effects. her looking different, where her skin was like looking splotchy, and like her cheeks were like had like these grayish stains. Her eyes had crow's yeah. feet and uh, sandbags under it. Like, yeah, she was looking torn up. Her hair looked like it was falling out, and she just wasn't feeling right. Um, Susie and Robert try to date, but things get hairy when it's revealed that John and Robert were old friends. Th- see, that's when I brought up that I like that everybody like knew each other since they were a kid. I love that. That um, what's his face was ended up being the kid that didn't show up to John's Halloween thing. The best part about that is when they're telling that story, they're like, "Like, we'll get back to the kid in the red." Yeah, 
They're like, yeah, you know, our Catman, you know, disappeared. Don't worry, we'll get back to him. And they do. <laughs> they get right to him. Um, You're an embarrassment to the scene. That's all it is. I'm going to start telling people that. We talked about... We talked You're an about, embarrassment to the scene. We talked about uh, Suzanne and her uh, uh, bathtub showerhead thing. We talked about John meeting Jasmine St. Cocaine in, um, in the woods. He finds that porn thing in the woods. But let's talk about John's sexual history. We find out John was exposed to sex for the first time when he found the leather collar belonging to his oh, parents. Oh, Robert. You said and, John. Oh, Robert. Uh, yeah. Sorry. We also find out that Robert was exposed to sex for the first time when he found a leather collar belonging to his parents. I love And tried to find more it. pieces, believing them to be costume wearing. He was going to wear it for kids. He said, "He said I found leather and spikes. I yep. found a costume of leather and spikes, and immediately I said no." Um, he inadvertently walks in on his parents, who are committing acts of BDSM, but instead of freaking out. Robert rationalizes that if it makes them happy, so be it. He also says, well, Dad, you're one of the only couples still together. Oh, he's like, of all my friends, friends, you're the only, you you and Mom are still together. So if that keeps you together, then do it. How do you feel about all of that? I think it's very realistic in a sense. So I initially thought that it was a very mature take. But after doing some thinking, I think it's surgical. It's a surgical take. Right? Because it has a need. Yeah. This thing that we're doing, we're doing it out of love, yes, but to you, we're doing it to maintain this relationship. It's something that we're doing as maintenance. Um, and I think that, that uh, after that, Robert develops a bit of a surgical, almost scientific view on sex, as opposed to it being more emotion-based and being more um, sensual. Even when you're having that conversation about the cervix, it's very scientific. It's not... Yeah, but he's also a prude. He's but, a real big prude. But I think his prudeness comes from his ability to think that sex is is maintenance. It's love maintenance. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. If you only see well, sex that's as what's love crazy about everybody in this in these ser- in this series is everybody looks at sex in this abstract sense. And they think that they're the only ones who ever did. Which is that's the best part about all this because we're not alone. No one is alone. And that's that's I think that they're definitely trying to tell us that with these uh like you can even see, like in the juxtapose of the way they, that the way Susie and John call their, their their quiet place. Like one calls it the quiet, one calls it come world. The way like uh, Jasmine Saint Cocaine feels like a golden goddess. The, the the way um, what's his face Douglas's kink like manifests into hentai porn. Like everybody uses sex, see sex in such an abstract light that I feel like the diversity is, is like there in real life. Like yeah. they're just using fantasy comic book elements to give us a metaphor. To punctuate yeah. Like there. this is what people do in real life. Yeah. And it's great. It's real, but it's a real that doesn't make me need to take a shower after. I can dig that as well. Like, like we like be, specifically me and you have been covering for the last like three months, just, between comic books and movies, just subject matter that's just been making me have to take a shower and just watch Parks and Recs to cleanse my palate. Yeah, so. it's almost like daring us to like take it on. It hey, this general. is this is bullying, sir. This is this is bullying. I, I will say, I've, this is the comic I read with the most penises in it. <laughs> no Dude, doubt. Every the boys there without a penis. When boys, when Robert had that nightmare of Rachel oh, having a gangbang. Matter of fact, let's get there. Let's get there. After that, Robert develops a bit of a sterile, almost scientific view on sex, which causes trouble for him when he decides to date the more sexually experienced Rachel. You know what? This, I can see fractions, like, 
inspiration from movies because literally the relationship between Bobby and Rach is uh, Jay Baruchel and Alice Eve in She's Out of My League. Where oh, he felt, yeah, yeah, where he felt he was, he was like a six, and Alice Eve was a ten. And when it comes down to the numbers of of looks, you never go a, a two scores above you. So if you're a six, you, you the most you can go is an eight. And yeah, Walker's like a seven. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cup reference. Go to Iron Fist season two review for that. By the way, Continue. thank you. But yeah, it's the it's it's that same it, it's that same thing where the. You're more experienced than me. I've only had three girls in my life. Maybe I shouldn't be with you because you scare me. I've seen. You know what it is? It's the that chasing Amy story. You've seen chasing Amy. Yeah. Remember the story Kevin Smith was tell was telling Ben Affleck where he met a girl that had a lot more sex than or even Ben Affleck that were. Yeah, it could have been Kevin Smith telling that story. Was it Kevin Smith? Yeah. Story? It was telling. It was because the thing. He has is, a speaking role in that. Every movie, Silent Bob has one speaking role, and it's always at the uh, end of the movie. Yeah, it's always at the end of the movie. But yeah, he was telling a story. It's the whole, I've that's where they today, kinda. that's where they get the title the, the title chasing Amy from because Kevin Smith was telling a story about a girl he met that was more experienced than him and he couldn't deal with it, so he broke up with her. And it I turns out he Amy really was loved about her. lesbianism, wasn't it? It the movie is in fact uh, about lesbians, yeah. But the like the title of the movie was about a story Kevin Smith told Ben Affleck in a diner oh, okay. about the girl he was chasing named Amy. Okay. Like ever since ever since that day that I broke up with her, I found that I was always chasing Amy. Okay. So and it's it you really see it in a lot of pop culture movies where guys feel either sexually inadequate or facially inadequate Not to towards put girls. You on the spot, have you ever been in a position like this? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I I mean, have you have you met Jasmine? Eh. She I I am I'm the Jay Baruchel. She's the Alice. But in a situation like that, like, do you downplay your sexual history? Do you bring it up front? Oh, I feel it's I feel it's important history? that you really don't talk about your sexual history more than once. I feel like when you first meet the person that you establish that this is somebody I want to talk to enough to be in a relationship with, yeah, get all of the sexual history out of the way in the most vague, painted, broad stroke. Too brush. vague, right? Well, you don't. Really, it's you don't just, want to find it. Thirty-seven dicks. You don't want to find out. Oh no, no, you don't. Yes, no. Listen, listen. It, 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 Thirty-seven dicks. I need to know. Because like, they spoke, I'm assuming, and then she, then he got from vague to detail. Well, I don't think they ever truly the, spoke because she didn't even know how many guys, how many girls he slept with either. So that that was the whole thing. Is like you need to you need to have a basic understanding of. This is my experience. This is what I have done. You don't need to know their names. You don't need to know how long I was with them. You don't even need to know body parts about them. You just need to know that I have experience in this field, so I'm not a newbie. Like you said, get, you don't even need to know body parts about them. You're right. They're no. Not even, no, that shouldn't even be in conversation. Like, never. Um, so that nightmare that, that Bobby was getting was just... Yeah, because he temporarily, temporarily breaks up with Rachel when he freaks out over a nightmare. Oh, so it's going to be a temporary itself. thing? Okay, cool. A I night- actually like them together. A nightmare manifesting itself as an all Rachel gangbang. <laughs> yo, and yo, the funniest thing was when he was like no, walking the away from thing the is that Howard the Duck. Duck. Oh, that out. that was Howard the Duck. Yeah, that was Chip, supposed to be Howard. Chip the Duck. wrote for Howard the Duck. Oh, that's great. And so there's like a weird duck with a dick with his dick out there, and I'm just like, he's like, hey man, right. don't be a don't be a pussy. <laughs> and then when he goes to walk away, she's like, hey, can you at least get us towels? That fucking guy, you're an embarrassment to the scene. You're, um, You're an embarrassment to the scene. But you know how you were talking about, um, you mentioned, you know, that they, you liked them as a couple. I think that what really makes this 
uh, book work is something that they spoke about when they were talking about like the CW shows more so the Flash in that first season. I think Flash season one is a damn near picture perfect first season of a television show. And one of the things that they cho- they said made it work was three things: heart, humor, and spectacle. I think that this comic has all three of those things. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. It's definitely a humor comic. It's 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 a comedy comic. At every point, it's trying to make you laugh. You have to look at some of these previously on. So in a comic, they have previously ons because you never know when you're gonna pick up a comic. Odds are you're not picking up. Of course. One. Oh, we're we're coming here. We're coming to the previously ons. Yes. 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 So. Um, the usual previously ons would would say like, it, it, first it usually says something pretty broad. Like let's say you're reading a Spider Man comic, it'd be like Peter Parker was bit by a uh, radioactive. They spider, always and now he start has... with their actual origin stories for these previously ons with right. all of them because it's the previously on for the character and then it's previously on in this story. So you'll get the overall branching narrative of what the origin is, and then it will say very specifically what happened in the last issue. Um, it's it's very important especially for, like, tie-ins. So, like, right now, one of the biggest um, um, stories I'm reading up right now is War of the Realms. And so War of the Realms has issues of Thor, Spider-Man, a bunch of other people. And although it's majority taking place in the big crossover event War of the Realms, it's also dealing with characters who have history doing other things. So to understand what's going on, you have to read the previously on, so you could be like, "Oh, Spider Man is not with MJ." It's See, maybe right that's here. my problem. There. I jump in a lot of comics that I've always that I used to read. I used to jump into them like when it's like issue twenty of like a four hundred issue story. So it's like I never really read the previously ons. I just jump in. And I'm like, "Wait, where am I?" Ah, let's just keep going. Yeah, it's supposed to. It's supposed to uh, put you on there, but instead they literally pick every previously on as an opportunity to troll every single one. Oh, my the favorite was fourteen. The very first previously on, I think, is my favorite, which is a description of what happens on every page of the last comic. So it's like page one, her her father dies. Page two, her mother's drinking. Page three, she has an orgasm. On page four, though, and it's literally every page of the comic. Um, you uh, snapshotted one that was the uh, uh, Wikipedia. It was the entry. Wikipedia page. It had a previously on, and it was legit. What right here, like. Where's the pages? I have the pages with me, like right here. It was the Wikipedia page. Like, God, oh my god! It, yeah, it literally said in March 2013, Image Comics announced the sex comedy thing. It was hilarious. Yeah. But the best part about it was the illustration of the previously on page was literally Wikipedia's like, uh, the, the whole uh fucking design. Oh yes, the the, the, the gray the backdrop. Set, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It had the blue underline, and uh, so you can go to the link. It was great. It was great. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, Matt Fraction's humor and Chip Zdarsky's art also helping with the humor. Um, there's never a dull panel. Never. Not at all. There's always something in the background that's hilarious, whether it's some of those weird That's the thing. Toys. You need to look at the background a lot because a lot of the times, especially in like um, Douglas's room, they have so many like anime posters that are parodies of sex names, like when like when um John and Susie first walk in and find the sperm ghost ejaculate thing. Yeah. In the back, you see a poster called Dragon Balls, wow. but spelled dragon like you're dragging balls. Wow, that's terrible. It was, and you see like a little picture of like um Goku, or whatever. I'm like, yo, you didn't have to do fucking Toriyami Kakarot? like that. Where you trying to play Kakarot like that? You see Ask Kira for Akira. 
Yeah. Like it's it is hilarious. Just these these jokes just go with you. It's and I find like the uh, fractions writing is is really funny. Like I could see him writing a screenplay. I could see him doing at least storyboarding work for a screenplay. It's like I I find it hilarious. Could you see this becoming an actual series? I can see this becoming an, an actual series. I see this becoming a I I can see this being a mini series. Give this like a like a Cinemax mini series. Hell, bro. I'm going to start giving Amazon TV series their chances because I've been watching a couple of, like, Amazon distributed or produced movies or shows. Like, they have it. So, I think Amazon could, like, pick up sex criminals. But, yeah, you need, like, a... You uh, you, can, you need, like, a Bill Hader, like, um, Kristen Bell to be, like, or not Kristen Bell. Um, I think she's too cute. Too cute. <laughs> she I could like probably Kristen be a Bell. Rachel. Kristen Bell has amazing eyes. Electric. Blue. But, um, yeah, there's there's got to be somebody that could play them. But I think another one of the things that they talk about. Well, that should I I knew because I because this thing is it was a last minute assignment for me. Oh yeah. But I should have at least had the idea to say, hey, maybe we should like do a fantasy casting. When I thought about it, like I said, I, I immediately thought of Bill Hader. I don't know why. John Krasinski. There's a lot of uh, like the art. You know, what represent- you need like- someone tall because it looks like John is like six one, six two. John Krasinski looks to be at least some of the uh, inspiration, at, at least when you get later on in the comic. I think I could see a John Krasinski. Yeah. Um. But I think something else besides like normalizing porn and, 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 you know, sex in general. I think another thing that they say here is that most adults are living a double life. Oh, 100 percent. Myrtle's living a double life. Cheating she's, on her husband. She's cheating on her husband. She's a sex um, police John's worker. John's living a double life because he won't let in on how these drugs that he takes, the medication he takes for his OCD, stuff like that is actually affecting him. So he's not being 100% honest with that. I mean, the man poops in flower pots. I don't think I would want to be honest either. Um, And even, um, why would you, I guess you could. The bus driver lives a double life. Cooper Badal lives a double life. Uh, Yeah, I haven't, I guess I haven't gotten to the double life for uh, those people. Well, you know that the bus driver drives a bus at, at, and during the day and at night he has people with a dildo. So that's definitely, that's a double life. Oh yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess when, when, when you are like. Two different people. Like I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't know what a double life is in a sense. Double like life, double. Uh, to me, a double life is a life where that you can, where you can live one life, without ever branching into the other one, and then go into the other one without ever branching into the next. So the bus driver never lo- lets the sex shit ruin his bus stuff, but the sex cop never lets the bus stuff ruin his. Bus. I guess you. I guess yeah. It's but, but I feel like it's just still. What you? It's your life, but, you're but it's, you're just it. not mixing business and pleasure. But in if a you're sense. not being open with it, I consider that a double life. I guess, yeah. I guess I do lead. A, I guess we all lead a double life in a sense. I think adults in general, we hear a lot about like there's three phases. There's three uh, versions of you they present: the version that's on stage, the version that's backstage, and the version that's by yourself. And so, some well, I think the China, I think that was like a Confucius quote. Yeah. Like you, uh, I think you a human wears, thir- yeah, a human wears three masks: the yeah. mask you wear, the mask, what, the mask you wear, the mask you have when you take off, and the mask that you have when you're by yourself. Like, yeah, I, I see that, but I guess in a sense, I guess we all have double lives from our parents. Then I think you were supposed to find that true love means taking off all the masks. True, or at least having the mask that you wear when you're by yourself, at least because that's who yeah, you truly that, that, are. Yeah, yeah, that's who you truly are. Yeah, when you're alone. Whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever noise you make, if you find yourself going, eek, 
Eek for no reason. Eek That's Barba Durkle. Eek <laughs> Barba Durkle. You understand? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> ooh, that's a pretty fucked up way to say ooh la la, George. There, there's, a, there's a bunch of meta commentary in this, but I got to tell you, one of my favorite oh, we're bringing versions. It? Oh, this is the, yeah, this is one it. One of my favorite versions, one, the, the thing that, Dan, they have to do this in the show. They not have the meta, to. Not the no, no, no. Version. They have to do this thing. Regular, straight up. I because you know I want to see performance. I want to see when she's singing. I want to see that Hitchcock dolly zoom yeah. come to the guy where he just like because he even says it in the monologue. That's when I realized I fell in love with you. It's like goosebumps. See that? I see it, I have man. Actual it's like, goosebumps because I know that feeling. He literally got to see her with all the trappings off the thing. Her song hit and she became her. And she even knows she, she, how... she said, "Oh my god." This is my favorite song. And she just stopped the date right then and there and started dancing and singing one of the best Queen songs. And they're not even wrong to yeah. want to use that song. Fat Bottom Girls yeah. is amazing. Have you ever heard Fat Bottom Girls? Yes, it's or a great song. Before this or after? Or... I heard it before this. It wasn't one of my favorites. But now... It's now that in the, in the context of yeah. him falling in love with her... And it's... in the context of her not giving a fuck who else is around her while she sings this song. Louder, She's dancing on crazier, pool tables. A yeah. costume... Comes up out of nowhere where she has the yellow Freddie Mercury jacket and <laughs> yeah. she just she's just there in it and um so firstly while while this is portrayed or how this is portrayed in the comic is where um she hears the the Queen song Fat Bottom Girls and decides to start singing it but we're told by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky that they were not able to secure the rights to the song therefore they cannot place the lyrics on the page so in all of her voice bubbles there's a post it over it. I love it. He's just explaining. explaining. Yeah, it was going to be really well, cool. Well, that was though, all the black but... scenes were. I didn't realize it till all the faded black scenes where it was just white writing. That's Chip and Matt talking. And I yeah. didn't I didn't realize that until he actually, like, in a sense, implied it to everybody that this is the writers. Like, see, what we wanted to do here was, oh, wait a minute. You're telling me every time it goes pitch black? With white writing, you're you're narrating. Exactly. That's great. So now it's when they had their first fight, and he's like, "Whoa, now kids, what are we doing? Let's not say anything. We're gonna we can't walk away from." And I'm like, "Oh wait a minute, that's that's meta as hell." But this scene was just this whole issue was that that whole issue was great for them getting to know each other. But him like throwing out like, "Here, we're gonna give you little uh, one or two lyrics. Hope you don't get sued by Apple." <laughs> Yeah, like that thought, was great. Yeah, so the whole thing is like they, apparently they weren't able to uh, get the lyrics by the time of the individual print, and they thought they can get it by the time of the graphic novel print, but they couldn't. And so while she's singing this song, they're just literally having a conversation about how hard it is to secure the rights of a song to put in a comic. And I think it's absolutely hilarious. And but, and they even said like Chip really wanted to do a musical number, and so did I. It screams to me. Um, I think we're alone now. Umbrella Academy. It yes. It seems to me yes. you think you're watching this this medium and all of a sudden you play this song and everything gets so wacky that you're just in this world. And I want her to, to change into the costume. I want the spotlights because there's random spotlights that show oh, up. Oh, she has like a whole her. stage with a <laughs> fog machine going. Oh, so good, man. And he goes, fat bottom girls is when I knew I loved you. And, and that it's so, but that's, so yeah, and well I can see it doing, so well I can stated. see it adapted. Yeah. It could be it could be adapted. It could be done so great. You 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 oh god, just make sure they do the dolly zoom cuz that dolly zoom where the background just comes forward. Yeah. And it's like oh, that just shows just oh man. One of the greatest 
parts about this comic is actually the end of the comic. The letters. Oh comic. yeah, the email us your sexual uh, quasi. Yeah. Not only is letters to daddies. Not only is the letters column, but they give actual advice on yeah. like sex, relationships, all those things. It's an actual deep dive into all those things, and I think um, I think it's one of the funniest parts. Most letter columns are like two pages long. These guys go like six pages, and it's hilarious. People are sending them pictures of them doing their own kegel faces and sending them pictures of um, them reading the comic, um, older people reading the comic in public places. It's all really, really funny stuff. But the best part of the letter column comes from the sex tips. There's sex tips on every page. <laughs> Did you know, Dan the Comic Book Man, that they have amassed all these sex tips into their own book? The the what the fractions Ardowski sex tips book like see that doesn't roll off the tongue and that wouldn't be a, a a pithy enough title for these two gentlemen the sex tip um book is called just the tips that's great <laughs> that's great it's called just the tips you don't need a lot you just need the tips so ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna go ahead and read you three of the sex tips from just the tips that I found uh quite informative all right number one. Dance like nobody's watching and have sex like your mother isn't there with you, constantly judging. <laughs> I think it's fair. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good one. That that would work. All right. Number two, alien in the streets, predator in the sheets. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I don't even know great. what that means. <laughs> Is the predator better than alien? What's going on here? I don't, I don't know. know I think means. alien won the fight in those two movies. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> that's just funny. Uh, and we got BDM stands for Bondage, Discipline, and Spider-Man. Okay, you need to make this a t-shirt. No, you need you need a t-shirt of Spider-Man webbing him his own self up with with, an, with the acronym BDSM, Bondage, Discipline, and Spider-Man. Yeah, that needs to be a t-shirt. And last but not least, Dick Picks were named after their inventor, Dr. Richard Picks. <laughs> That's great. This is really, really good stuff. That's great. But we're not the only ones loving this comic time magazine honored sex criminals as the number one comic graphic novel of 2013 ign tagged the work as amazing and said that the story is so addictive you'll find yourself staring at the last page in horror when you realize you have to wait another month to well, find now out you what have to wait next. a year yeah i've been to all this so i'm you got something you can you can stave yourself off right Read well, I will, at what i'm at i think i'm i think i might take i take a little bit of a break because it's like i really want to want to eat it better because i'm like getting do you want to eat it better i do want to eat it better i good i gotta make sure make that sure i but i gotta well but i gotta eat it for them i can't eat it for me that's true. i have to eat it for them don't eat it for them that's a good you know what oh, that was a good that's a good uh, message right there. maybe we should send our own just the tips that's it Paste. Wait, yeah didn't one of these um didn't this like stuff win an award because i think it was a. Uh, like issue like thirteen, their cover had like an actual award stamp, like winner did you of the, see the. Did you see like the quasi stepbrothers cover that they did? Oh, the, oh, that was <laughs> after. Ship. Yeah, but they they put that in with the after the argument because they were like after oh, the argument. I was like, yeah, is this yeah, gonna yeah. be? Ma- isn't this just gonna be masturbatory? He's like, oh man, how like, can oh chum? How can this be masturbatory? And you just see him like. Have using the uh, Matt Fraction as a footstool with the stepbrothers picture of them actually. The, oh God, it's great. It's so damn funny. It's it's great meta humor. I feel like they understand meta. Yeah. I feel like they really do understand what we want with meta. They don't beat you over the head with it. Not at all. It's just you don't you expect it, but not that. I don't. I did not expect an actual conversation that they had together, illustrated and thrown into a page because they had no and idea how that, to do it. They a, poke fun at themselves. 
One is is wearing like a robe and counting his money and smoking his money. You know what I'm like, Oh, but I love he's like, listen, man, you gotta write the scene because my coke habit is very expensive. Yeah, That's he's like, I'm great. just joking. I can do my own coke habit. No, I'm not joking. I need you to write. Uh, yeah, it's like you really need to write this uh, this page because my coke habit is expensive, man. Really, like, really funny stuff. Um, Pace magazine called the first issue splendid with an immediate likable character. Specifying that although one wouldn't trust most comic creators to turn a sexual awakening into a compelling pulp fiction, Fraction and Zdarsky put it off masterfully. WorldCulture.com calls Sex Criminals a, mis- a masterpiece with an adorable cast, virtuoso writing, and stunning art. And ScienceFiction.com called it an entertaining, witty, and very fun while emphasizing that the sexual content is tastefully presented. How do you feel about that? I, I have to agree with it. It is very tastefully done. I feel like it's done in a, I feel like the sex is done in an adult way. Like, and there aren't there aren't long standing scenes of sex. No, they just get what it is is you need to you need to see the sex because you need to see the initial sex to know that like they're about to do their superpowers. Yeah. So but they don't have like three, four pages full of them like having sex. You get a few you get a few panels. But ultimately they're just doing the sex to get to the quiet. Yeah. So I feel like it's done in a very tasteful way, but it's also done in an adult way, like that. They'll come home from a hard day's work. They'll look at each other and just automatically just still be in that honeymoon phase of I want to jump your bones. Yeah, like like when um Sus- Suzanne was making the the boxes to put books in for the take a book leave a book, and uh, she needed uh his, she needed John's help and he's just like building the the little houses and she's just staring at him looking at him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like screaming like I'm not just a packet of meat and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah, it's like yeah. that's very freaking realistic. Yeah, I like all that stuff. Like she was predatory too. Like, yeah, no, she was just, very like, much like yeah, and you take s- off that shirt. <laughs> and like, you oh, see no. the panel like like she's biting. One minute she's like smiling, the next she's like biting her finger, nah, and then he's like, "Are you staring at me?" It's like it's like yeah, I'm sexualizing you. So what? He's like he's like I love you. What? I'm not a packet of meat and like or something like that. No, like, that it's it's that all. Hilarious. Great comedy. It's great comedy. Great comedy. Um, yeah. So, let's talk about what culture already? Yeah. The first compilation, Sex Criminals, One Weird Trick, was nominated for the 2015. That what it was, the Hugo Award. For Best Graphic Story. But let's talk about this future. Let's talk about the future. What What do you have planned for the future? Uh, well, the thing is, we got to figure out what's going on. We don't know what's going on with John's dreams. We don't know what's going on with Susie's dad. Susie's dad is up to something. Uh, I think we find out later on in the comic that she's actually communicating through with her dad through the computer. And oh, I don't it's not know that they, they that bring is. in they they bring in like a whole. But Susie's you can't dad. tell you can't tell if it's like in her head and meta or. Oh, that's good. That's cool. But the biggest thing is you find out that Badal is using um, using the quiet to do insider trading. <laughs> and that's why he's rich. Um, so that's that's, definitely that's extremely illegal. And the series ends with Susie and John joining forces with the Kegel face. What, like so far up to down, here, up to twenty five to take down Badal because Badal starts to talk to Kegel face. Or you've seen it, some of it. Yeah, like the way he talks to her is like, "I'm not your henchman." Like, all like and shit. Yeah. Um, and so after a while, she's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not about this either." So it is what it is. Um. Uh, According to Zdarsky, the cast has become so expansive that it's like the X-Men of sex now. Sexmen. Uh, Sexmen. <laughs> uh, Capra. But anyway, <laughs> according to Zdarsky, <laughs> the cast has become so expansive. Yeah, like it's like the X-Men of sex. We've got way too many char- sex characters now. We need to bring them together and figure out where they're going. 
While the main characters of sex criminals use their powers to rob banks and serve their own agenda, Zdarsky had a more down-to-earth way to utilize his ability if he had it. If I could actually stop time, the sad answer is I'd probably just catch up on my work and draw more issues of sex criminals. That's the saddest answer, really. Uh, it took Matt about eight months to plot out the final arc of the series. I got the script from issues 26 last week. I've given it a read-through, and it's great. It's probably some of his best work. Right now, I'm breaking it down. If we keep on track, then probably I think the summer everything will be out. So I think next summer will be I'll... the final volume of Sex Criminals, and it will end. No Damn. spinoffs, no craziness, and then it will definitely... You know definitely... what? I, I, I wouldn't beautiful. be surprised. I think it's last... beautiful. I think the last um, volume will drop when the show drops. I think that they're going to do that con conquer. I hope they do something good with this. Like, at least they have it where if they're going to do a show and they follow the adaptation, like at least semi, you know, loosely yeah. that at least they have like a source material to go off of where we don't have to like watch the show get, go past its comic books, like, or past its reading material anyways. But yeah, looking at you, I, Walking Dead. I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. It happens. It always uh, happens. But yeah, man, this is this is something new. I think it's something that most people are gonna grab. It's sad, but you know, it was the same thing I said with Mister Miracle. I'm glad that some writers and illustrators have the balls, even showrunners. I'm glad when a showrunner and a writer and an illustrator have the balls to tell a story and leave a story right then and there. They come in for like thirty issues, and and end. yeah, used to tell stories back in the day. There's two different kinds of writers. There's the architect, and then there's the gardener. The architect is the guy that comes in with the blueprint and he has the ending already written and he just wants to get there and go there. The gardener is the guy that plants the seeds along the way that you don't know where these people are going. He knows though. Yeah. He knows where he, and, uh, he, uh, he knows what seeds. And then some and some seeds and some of the seeds grow in dead and they're rooted. You got to pick them out and then you got to put some new seeds. Like I I I like certain I like when certain stories that are given to me as architect writing. Yeah. End in a satisfying way. Mr. Miracle ended in a satisfying way. I hope this ends in the same exact satisfying way where I don't have to go on in the in their life. I could just imagine that their life is growing on its own. Yeah. Scott Free has his family. I don't need to imagine any more adventures with Scott Free. I could just read his adventures in other people's works. I could read a New Gods issue and see what, what Scott Free and Big Bard is up to. And I would want to do it if... You know, Image happens to decide to, like, make a whole universe with these people. Because I would love to see Susie and John be something, you know, like, go somewhere else, too. Like, not in a story of their own, but I would like to see them pop up in another comic book as a cameo. Yeah. I don't know why. I just like those, like, pop-up Easter eggs. Yeah. Like, the Runaways was full of them. Like, where the Runaways happened to run into She-Hulk while she was walking through Manhattan going to work. Yeah. Like, I thought that that was just funny. Like, oh my god, look, that... They all exist in the same universe together. Because it's all witty, it's all fun, and it is a masterpiece. This book really is, from what I'm up to... It's, it's, just, it's, it's just so painfully honest about all the is. things. Like I said again, like the honeymoon phase and how you work through that. How you start to see uh, the flaws and work through it. A Susie eventually starts to ask um, John for goals. What are your goals? What do you want to do? And John clamps up because he's like... Right now, I, I want to go home. That's what yeah, he's, he's like. Right like, now, I want to go to bed. Right, and then, but one, the thing is, he even he like finds some humor in it. He's like, "I want to be with you." Can we put that as the first goal? Oh no, you know, yeah. It's like, it's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, "Can I write you as the first one?" Yeah, he's you like, understand? So like, there's still some joking there that you have to maintain. But that she's balance. so cute. She bought markers. She did buy markers. She bought markers. He woke. He woke up, and the whole kitchen counter was like, 
like color coded with post-it notes and and a pic paper and yeah, she was getting ready. For she that. had markers. It was for so her. adorable. It was like let, let's just map out our future if we're gonna really do this thing. Like you said, you love me. I want to see if you truly love me. Let's map out this future. Because maybe that's what she, why she's scared of saying I love you back or not wanting him to say it again. Like, listen, do you love me or do you love me? Like, come on. And that means different things to different people. You know, it's like 100%. Somebody will say, I, I know you love me because you've planned for me and us. You know, that's, that's to some people, that's a level of commitment. And so if she's not finding that in John, I can see how she could be like, well, how could you say you love me if you don't care enough to plan? And so that's that's definitely in there there. But I'm just so happy that we've tackled this story. I'm happy that you were able to read some of it. I hope you read the rest of it. Oh, I'm definitely going to finish this because I was be- reading it for just because not because I was you wanted me as a backup. I was just reading it because I want to experience just I want to read a comic book that I don't have to like read for research. And it's also not like you don't have to go back and find the first appearance of Susie or the or the quiet. You understand? Like you don't have to do any of that. Yeah, exactly. This new is characters. just. A very new, out of it. brand new, and it introduces your it introduces you to them, I think, in a very very cool and candid way. But um, yeah, this is this is definitely one of the most adult episodes that we ever got. And if you don't believe me, go back into our back catalog. We have over ninety episodes. That's over one hundred and eighty hours worth of content of us talking about all things comic books, from television shows to actual comics, uh, casting news, memes. Uh, and even sometimes editorial things, like when we did that Superman uh, episode, we we're just talking about Superman. We do all those things as part of the Major Issues podcast. So if you're listening to this, one, you still better be 18 years or older. Second, thank you so much for listening. Uh, the audience is growing exponentially. I'm so excited. We do this so often that it ends up feeling like it's in a vacuum, but people are listening um, and recommending. We're growing our numbers everywhere that we are. Um, and it's all thanks to you guys. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to look for more episodes of the Major Issues Podcast, all you have to do is go to uh, wherever podcasts are found. That's Stitcher, Podge- Podbean, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. Literally, wherever podcasts are found, um, Google the Major Issues Podcast and we'll be the first ones to pop right up. And that's because we're the one-stop shop for the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, but the thing is, None of this is a one-way street. This is actually a two-way street. We need you guys to be on the other side of this table when we do these podcasts. We want to hear your opinions on the subject matter that we're tackling. That's why we try to do our best to keep you guys informed on social media so that you guys can reach back out to us on social media and give us some opinions to work with. Uh, and to do so, all you have to do is go to facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. All of those links are in the show notes. You can follow us at Major Issues on CBC, oh, sorry, at Major Issues CBC on Twitter. That's where we post podcast news, movie news, memes, all kinds of stuff, all things that are going down with comicbookclick, so you can find us there. And if you could do us a favor, and it, actually, it absolutely costs you nothing, Rate and review us on iTunes because it's the quickest way that we can grow as podcasters and find out what you guys like and don't like about our production values. We're trying to get better every day. We're coming back to YouTube soon. Uh, I know that's a big announcement to make now, but yeah, we'll be coming back to YouTube soon. So we're trying to cover all of our bases, but we need to know from you guys uh, how to get better because that's what we're definitely here to do. I've been to the future, and in the future, we've become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. I just can't tell you how we do that or else I'll mess up the timeline. So make sure you're jumping on the bandwagon while there's still seats left. Make sure that you're still a part of all this with us. And uh, thank you again for uh, joining us for this episode of Major Issues. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, comic book man. 
And this has been our Sex Criminals recap and review. And remember, Shit on my dick. Oh, my God. <laughs> and remember, <laughs> and remember uh, whether or not you have a so, some sort of weird hentai come angel coming out of you, whether you can stop time with orgasm or it just feels like it, whether you got your kegels <laughs> down so so da- so damn bad you can orgasm at will, or whether you have your own uh, iron throne of cocks. I only got one question for you. Oh, you're going to take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red my life. Oh, you're going to let it all hang out. Fat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go round. And you, yes, you are worthy.